Big 8. 820 WWBA. The Big 8. Time to talk sports. It's real and it's fantastic. This is the J.P. Peterson Show. Are you? I like your stories and your reporting. Great show. We need uh, people that give it to you straight. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. That's kind of your calling card, Mr. Peterson. This is the J.P. Peterson Show, presented by FanStream Sports. Now, here's award-winning sports journalist, J.P. All right. Wow, this is a, this is a real bitch and moan Monday. After fabulous Thanksgiving week, we took some time off. Much needed in this ridiculous year of 2020, and I am so freaking loaded today with stuff to go off on, I can't even... I I don't even know where to start first. It's this is it's it's crazy what's going on in this world. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's nonsense. Radio Johnny is here. We will take your call seven two seven five one eight zero eight twenty. Bruce Arians has just can, uh, concluded a uh, Zoom media call today that probably gave us more questions than answers. National media all over talking about Arians and Brady aren't getting along. Colin Coward saying that Arians may leave. Uh, this may be his last year. Of course, he said he was only coming back for a couple of years anyway. So we're, we're going to dig into all this stuff and exactly what happened yesterday in this uh, this latest debacle. And folks, don't look at the score. Game wasn't that close. Wasn't that close. I think the the the. Chiefs jump out to a 17-0 lead. They're just toying with the Buccaneers, calling trick plays, calling out cover zero, calling out the coverages well before the plays even. I mean, it, it was, it's, it's ludicrous how poorly this team has been prepared on a weekly basis. I mean... It, you look at what other teams have done with it. Look, the Chiefs have a phenomenal offense. Pat Mahomes is by far the best quarterback we've seen in a while. You know, dropping dimes yesterday, it's hard to defend him. We're not sitting here saying that, you know, well, if they'd only done this, they'd have, they'd have shut them out. No, no, you're not trying to shut them out, but you're trying to not get them off to uh, basically looking like they're playing against air. The first quarter, and we've seen this for what three, three, four weeks now with this defense. This team is not prepared to play when they hit the field, and we're going to go through the Arians press conference here in just a little bit and kind of break down some of the answers. Tom Brady takes three questions, gets a hard question, and walks off last night. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of his act, to be quite honest. You can't take four, five, six questions. You got you get one tough question, and you're bailing. That's it? That's what you do, Tom Brady? Is that the mark of a champion? I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, it was even shorter than the one he did a week ago. That's BS. It's BS. We're, we're sitting there in the press box, all of us, in our little Zoom meeting with our hands raised, ready to ask questions. You take three questions, you get one tough question, and you got to leave? What the hell is that? What, what is that? 
You you look at Tom Brady on the sideline going to talk to Mike Evans on the cutaway that we saw on the broadcast, and Evans won't even make eye contact with him. That's not good. That's a bad look. That shows about as much chemistry as they show on the field. Not much. Deep ball right through Evans' hands. Evans making bad reads. Brady throwing bad balls. They just can't connect. They're not on the same page. Haven't been for quite some time. And I, I was sitting there waiting to ask this question of Bruce Arians and 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 Tom Brady. Nope, sorry, we're, we're not. And I, well, Bruce takes questions. He does. He, he takes them all, and he, he's he's very good with the media, and he's very honest. But the bottom line is, since Tom Brady pounded the table to get Antonio Brown in here, this team has lost three or four games. And I'm not blaming Antonio Brown specifically. I'm just saying, since the coaching staff and this organization decided to bring him in and cut out Scotty Miller. This offense has gone from clicking to clunking. No doubt. When you Have you ever seen a team voluntarily take their leading receiver, basically their leading receiver in terms of numbers, out of the lineup, insert somebody else midseason, and the other guy's just forgotten about? Never seen it happen before. But when it's Scotty Miller and Antonio Brown, people say, oh, of course Antonio Brown's better. Is he? Numbers don't say it. Scotty Miller's 15 yards a catch. AB's 8.7. Scotty Miller's catch percentage way higher than AB's. Eye test. Offense was clicking. Ain't been clicking. Third downs. Very efficient. Not anymore. And again, I'm not blaming AB. But whatever happened three or four weeks ago, this team is completely different. Completely different. They don't seem to be on the same page defensively, offensively. And I, I'll just be honest, I've been covering the NFL for a long time. I've been covering the Bucs for a long, long time. Long time. I have never seen a team go out and play especially over the last four weeks when they've been outscored 49-7 to in the first quarter. Go out and be so unprepared for what the other team is doing. I understand the speed of the Chiefs makes things, okay, you know, uh, wow, we, we whew, wow, they're fast. Okay, you didn't know that? You didn't see that on film? You didn't know Tyreek Hill runs by everybody? We're just going to stick Carlton Davis out there one-on-one with no safety help over the top, see how that goes? What? I mean, these are basic coaching mistakes. I've never seen on a Monday where almost everyone in the national media and local media is in agreement. What the hell are you doing? What are you doing offensively? With you com- continue to throw the ball downfield and not run the freaking ball. I mean, t- and it was great having Tony Romo do the game yesterday. Two high safeties, 20 yards off the ball. You ran the ball four times in the first half with two high safeties 20 yards off the ball. That's an automatic call in the NFL. Run the freaking football. And by the way, you got a back in Ronald Jones who is explosive. Did you see what he did on the sideline? He outruns that guy to the corner, then hurdles another guy and stays in bounds? I mean, wah, what was that? That's one of the that's one of the most athletic runs I think I've ever seen. And this guy touches the ball 10 times? 10 times? 
as a running back? Yeah. Leonard Fournette's getting two carries or two touches inside the five-yard line? He hasn't made anybody miss or run over anybody since he got here. What are we doing? I mean, these are basic coaching errors. Look at this freaking roster. This team is way better than this. And, and I'm sorry, you're not even competitive with the Rams or or the Chiefs. And, and yeah, we could say those games were close at the end, but were they really? I mean, it, it's just, it's mind-blowing to see how everybody else, everybody else on the outside can look at our offense and go, wow, Brady and Arians, uh, this ain't working. You know, we're talking about, you know, Brady loves motion. And listen, you, you can you can read into this as you watch the broadcast. Because Tony Romo talked to Tom Brady and probably talked to him privately. And you heard what Romo was saying about having to read the plays at after the snap. When you don't use a lot of motion, that's what you have to do. And Brady's having issues with that. So why not use motion? Why not do what Brady wants to do? You know, I, I said this all offseason. Look, Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, smart guys. Been around the league a long time. These two guys aren't going to be able to figure it out and collaborate how to make it work? Of course they are. Well, I guess I was wrong. And while Arians continues to tell everybody and tell us, and he's been very honest that Tom Brady has a lot of input into this offense, what we see on the field and what Brady evidently was telling Tony Romo is not the same. It's not. So I, I'm, I'm just. I agree with you, JP. I, I said the same thing on our show on Sunday. I was like, it's funny how Bruce Arians in these conferences says that uh, Tom Brady has control over some of the offense. Well, just like you said, when it comes out on the field, it doesn't seem like it at all. I'm it not- doesn't. And because I feel like if Brady was running this offense a little more and if it was in more of his control, it would be different. Well, the numbers certainly say that. And the style of the offense certainly says that. No doubt. I mean, when I'm watching the first the first half and I'm watching what Tariq Hill is doing to Carlton Davis, I'm just trying to figure out what the hell are the Bucks doing defensively. Like, they can't seriously be thinking – oh, we're going to put Carlton Davis on Tyreek Hill one-on-one with no safety help and just let him go. Well, evidently, that was the plan. Didn't work out so Mahomes has not thrown a pass to Kelsey yet, but Kelsey threw one to him, which felt incomplete. And now you want a deep ball. Here it is. Two. Hill for the touchdown. 75 yards. Wow. <laughs> now, it was a dime. It was a rope. It was a beautiful pass. And almost every throw at the Mahomes. And they didn't get any pressure on Mahomes in the first half. But see, folks, this is this is this is what happens almost every game recently with the Bucks. They come out and and sure, yeah, these plays are scripted, but you look like you you got your head up your your butt. I mean that's that that can't be 
what you're really you, that that's what you looked at on tape, and this you had all week to prepare a game plan, and that's what you came up with. And I'd say the same thing about the offense. You had all week to prepare a game plan for two high safeties, and every time they were in two high safeties, we're not every time, but most every time we're throwing the ball deep into coverage, like we did against the Rams last week. We did the same thing. It's, we're doing it every single game, over and over and over again. You know, Brady throws two. He he completed three long balls yesterday, much better than the zero for twenty three that they had they had done previously. I mean, how do you continue to do the same thing when it's not working? This just in: Mike Evans doesn't locate the deep ball very well. He doesn't turn around to find the ball. He looks real bad right now. No, he he does, and and I've said this about Mike Evans for years. He puts up big numbers, but as a technically sound receiver, fundamentally sound receiver, he's not good. He doesn't run after the catch very well. He, he tends to fall down catching the ball all the time. You see Tyreek Hill do that? No. And I everybody's all oh, the pass, you know, inaccurate passes from Jameis and Brady. That not always. Not always. I've seen a lot of those passes hit Mike Evans like right in the hands and he still doesn't catch it. Yeah. Or goes right through his hands. The ball he doesn't get his head around. He doesn't locate the deep ball. And you stop see, stop mm-hmm. throwing it to him. So many times. I mean, I'm not saying you, you take him out of the game plan. That would be stupid. But Mike, how about Mike? Improve your game, bro. You're better than this. And I know you've been incredibly productive over the years. A lot of that is simply volume. You got to be better. You want to be a great receiver in this league? Improve your technique. Locate the ball. Make those catches. Have a better catch percentage. Run better routes. And Brady, you know, is not absolved of any of this. His two interceptions were again horrible. Not as bad as last week's, but pretty damn bad. Two times throwing into coverage, guys not open, deep ball to Scotty Miller, not open, bigger guy on him, throwing it up for if you're gonna throw a 50-50 ball, okay, throw it to Godwin. Or throw it to 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 uh to Evans. Who at least will, will will make a play to 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 kill an interception like he did last week, or make a contested catch like like Godwin does, or or Gronk or Brait, not Scotty Miller. You don't throw a 50-50 ball up for Scotty Miller. That's not his game. So you got you got Brady who looks confused and is not doing what he wants to do. You got a defense that suddenly has been put in ridiculous situations. And can't stop anybody, despite a plethora of talent out there. Adjustments that take way too long in-game when you realize that that game plan you worked on all week that is ridiculous. A soft zone against Drew Brees? Okay, good luck with that. Man-to-man on Tariq Hill with no safety help? And you see when they made the adjustment, what happened? Uh, He only caught, what, three or four in the second half. I mean, yeah, we we recognize that, that these are great players. These are great players. We're talking about the Chiefs. And they're going to throw dimes, and they're going to make plays. But you don't have to make it easy for them. You don't have to lay out the red carpet. And for God's sakes, if everybody on the planet, Bruce Arians, can see that Tom Brady is uncomfortable and doesn't like this offense, freaking change it. 
Give him more motion to pre-snap read. If that's what he's wants and that's what he's comfortable with, it's not it's that's not a some major shakeup change in your offense that you can they have motions in there. They just don't use them a lot. Cause Arians doesn't like it. And we'll hear that a little bit later on after we take the break from Bruce Arians. But my biggest takeaway on this is this coaching staff is failing this team dramatically. Dramatically. I've never seen it in, in, in all the years I've coached, I've, I've covered the team. And we've had some bad coaching staffs. But for everybody to look up and say, this, well, this isn't working, that's not working, this isn't working, and to continue to do it and to get blown out of games early on consistently, when you're losing the fourth, first quarter 49-7 to seven, the last four weeks, that's bad game preparation. That's horrible game preparation. You're getting out coached off the jump. Now, are the players culpable? Absolutely they are. But I look at this roster, it's a damn good roster. It should not be getting outscored 49-7 to in the first quarter every game or for the last four weeks. That's coaching. That's being ill-prepared. And all this crap about, oh, it's it's a night game. We're not, we're, we're flat. We're not ready. BS. It's coaching against good teams. You're getting out coached dramatically. Is it, you know, Todd Bowles is a great coordinator. He had this, this defense humming. What the hell has happened? The offense was humming. What the hell's happened? I mean, we've mentioned some things that, that, that I believe are part of it. But the bottom line is this coaching staff has to turn it around. This team has to turn it around. you got a bye week, and you've got four teams that you should beat. I know the Falcons are playing better. I know the Vikings aren't, aren't as terrible as they were early on. Detroit, please. Please. Come on. Anybody can beat them right about now. You, you need to get four wins. Take a week off, heal up, and get four wins. Simple as that. 11 wins gets you in. Well, just like you put in your, you said in your uh, little snippet video last night, I think it was on Instagram. So you've got to find an identity of this team and then win these next four games and figure out who you're going to be when you get to the playoffs. And you got four games to do it. You got exactly. a week off and four games to do it. And and we can we can tell you what what's up. I mean, you're a pressure defense. I get it. It doesn't mean you have to leave Tariq Hill one-on-one to <laughs> pressure. That's a no-go. That's a no-go. You, you, this this defense is too talented to be this bad. Way too bad. Way too talented. And the guys, you know, guys aren't getting coached up. You know, Carlton Davis, you got to turn your head around, bro. You got to locate the ball. Your technique is 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 piss poor. Sean Murphy bunting, same thing. You know, Devin White. Make splash, splash plays. Make the make the the fundamental plays. PFF has him ranked one of the worst inside linebackers in football for a reason, because he misses tackles. He goes for big time plays and doesn't make them. And when he's not making big time plays, he looks foolish. Be better. Be better. Yo, you guys can be better, way better. But it's going to take focus. It's going to take some unity. On this team, they clearly are not playing as a team. They're playing as individuals, a lot of it. Something has happened to this team, and it did coincide with the arrival of Antonio Brown. Again, 
not pointing the finger at him. It's more at the organization. And Leonard Fournette, what has he given you? Nothing. Nothing. You know, you want to bring in the big names and the big stars, and it all feels good. It's not what football's about. I mean, Bill Belichick can show you that. Look at look at the Super Bowls that he's he's won. How many has he had a cavalcade of all pros? No, really hasn't. Been a bunch of no namers. Yeah, that's football. Do your job. Discipline. Be smart. Smartest team in the league every single year. On a can adjust on the fly in a in a heartbeat. It takes this 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 team. It's like turning around the Titanic to make an adjustment in a game. And typically it ends the way the Titanic did. Straight to the bottom. All right, we'll take a break and um, we'll uh, we'll hear from Bruce Arians. Or do you, do you have that ready to go? Yeah, let, let's go ahead and jump into it right now. We'll 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 blow off the the break here and we'll get to uh, we'll take it right to three thirty. Let's listen to the first half of uh, Bruce Arians today. We'll stop it down and and um, kind of break down what's going on here. Bruce Arians from today. Can you hear me now? We yeah, we can. We can hear you now. Yeah, right. Okay. Hey. Um, look, we, we talk about this a lot. I know yesterday your problem seemed to be on third down. You had a lot of third and manageables that you didn't pick up. As you go through this bye week, I mean, you look at everything, right? But but how much will you consider? I mean, is there any consideration at all to the process of, of how you install the offense, who's calling it, um, Byron's role in this so far? I mean, because obviously there's some frustration and things haven't gone the way you want them to. I think it's really first quarter stuff, you know, um, catching up with their game plan versus us and adjusting to it uh, because we were in very manageable third downs. Right. Uh, they had a blitz zero package that we didn't handle well the first couple, who was hot, what they were supposed to do, um, kind of ironed it out on the sideline. Um it led to another interception late when the ball went off the helmet. Yeah. Uh, it was the same blitz, and, and we just we just didn't correctly adjust. Tom was on Tom was perfect on it, and uh, we didn't adjust the right angle of the route um, for the zero blitz. Um, but other than that, you know, I thought we, when we adjusted, we played pretty 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 solid. When uh, when you went to play action, there's only five times when Tom was very effective. He's been effective four out of five, I think, yesterday. Would you want to use more play action in your in your offense? I'd love to for not 17 down early. You know, yeah. you got to. We the nice thing about this one, we stayed with the game plan, right? And and clawed back in it. And uh, you know, I, I look at the game and um, three possessions offensively, kicking a field goal on the first drive. We got first and going to five. We got three, but seven was huge. And you give it and to Fournette the twice. two scoring opportunities, if we just get field goals, you know, that's six points that makes a difference. And and we turn it over. Uh, to me, those were the drives offensively that, that, that were really important. Defensively, we get hit on out and up. And then we really got exposed twice in man coverage, but two of them were great. I don't, I don't give a care who's covering Tyreek Hill <laughs> because Carlton hadn't covered and it was just great throws. And you can't defend a great throw. Um, so hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um, the zone coverage, they were hitting us a little bit in RPO. So we, you got to pick your poison with that guy. And I was really proud. I thought the defense adjusted really, really well in the second half. Um, Thanks, the, penal, the penalty 
on the roughing the passer costs us about three, three minutes and 40 seconds. At the end of the game, that was huge, and I still don't believe that's a penalty. All right, let's go through a couple things there. You know, he says we can't stick to the game plan when we're 17 down. Um, we didn't adjust to their blitz packages. How come the other teams are adjusting to what you're doing defensively? How come they come out and they're hitting everything exactly as they expect? But when the Bucks come out, the first three or four for third downs, they're getting out coached. Folks, that's coaching. That's game planning during the week. You have to you have to look at the other team's film, know what to expect, what they're doing, expect maybe some wrinkles that they're going to put in and be able to adjust. And I understand that comes with continuity. That and th- these are the the small details that come with continuity. And when you're running the same offense for 20 years, you know, if you're Tom Brady, you're saying, "Oh yeah, I remember back in 09, when this team did, you, and, and the players that you're with have probably been through this already. And the next time the Bucks see it, they'll be ready for it. So a lot of this is continuity as well. But really good coaching staffs get teams really prepared for everything, as we've seen other teams do to the Buccaneers. And a, a couple other things in there. Um, the great throws, Absolutely. But that's all the more reason you have a safety over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, if if he beats Carlton and it's a perfect throw, the safety's coming over to make the tackle. You're not giving up a 75-yard touchdown. Um, and if, you know, it also discourages Mahomes to go somewhere else with the football. And, yeah, they do that and they make you. But, again, take away what they do best. That's why, that's why we've never had a guy have seven receptions, seven targets for 203 yards and two touchdowns in one quarter. Because teams adjust. The Bucs never, they didn't adjust soon enough. You got to be better than that. They didn't do it. Not good. And, and, and the game plan, so the game plan was to run Rojo four times in the first half. Four times. That's the game plan. And if you're down 17 nothing, you shouldn't be out of your game plan. So the game plan was to throw the ball 21 times in the first half and run it four with Rojo. That's a horse crap game plan when you got an explosive runner like that and they're playing two high safeties. What are you doing? Should be giving that man 25 touches a game or more. Holy hell yes. With, with six guys in the box and that offensive line, that's a, a pretty damn good run-blocking offensive line. And Rojo, who's an explosive back and getting better, he's the third leading rusher in the league. He was at, He averaged seven yards a carry yesterday. Got four touches in the first half. Are you freaking kidding me? I've been feeding him. And I asked Bruce today about, you know, getting Rojo the ball. We'll play that a little bit later on. All right, do we have a phone phone call? Yeah, Chris from Clearwater. What's up, Chris? Hey, buddy. I can fix it right, right away. I hate to say this. I'm, 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 you know, I'm like Switzerland. I'm so I see everything from both sides of the ball. You know, the, the, the Chiefs left a lot of chicken on that bone yesterday. I mean, yeah, they did. They got cued at the goal line and tried to throw the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck in Kelsey. They only had to settle for a field goal. Yeah. I mean, he could have had 400 yards receiving if he would have forced the ball to him because he made, he was there all day long. Yeah, if, if you're, you know, if the Bucks and Bucks fans are thinking, well, that was a close game. We came no, back. We made great wasn't. adjustments. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No. They could have, just like the last, at the end of the game, what did they do? They held the ball as long as they needed to hold That's the ball. It. Four and a half minutes, they could have gone right down the okay. field and scored again. I mean, um, them, come on. Right. 
Mr. Brady had his own radio show in Boston. Every Monday he'd have a radio show. He had mm. it for eight years. Wow. Really? The last year, Did he, he talk more than out, two he minutes? Walked out on, he walked out on his own show the last year up there in New England. Did he yeah, he did. Out. That's right. That's right. So, it's not, so he does that before. He'll do it again. That's what happened. That's okay. poor character. Very oh, poor character, in my opinion. Can't the heat. No. Everything's right. High character. You know, the, the truth is him and Aaron's don't get along. I guess they're going to get along all year. I think you'll see Bowles as the coach. I think... I don't think Bruce will. Be, I don't think Aaron will be back next year. Brady will be back, and he won't. Him, and Bowles will be the head coach. And, and more, more or less, well, I, I'll the, tell you. I'll tell you this. I don't. And thanks for the call, Chris. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, I don't have any confidence in Brian, uh, Byron Leftwich being the OC. Do no. you? No. 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 If that's been your offensive game plan for your last four games, Byron. You need to check yourself. <laughs> it's, it's like I tweeted out yesterday. It's like watching these two offenses is like watching the first Star Wars movie and the last Star Wars movie. <laughs> you know, thirty-two was it? Yeah, guess, so many years later. <laughs> guess, guess, guess which one the Bucks offense is. I mean, it's just it's it's old, it's stale, it's the same freaking plays all the time, and it, it's pff, brutal. It's brutal. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Shane Stafford's going to join us, our quarterback guru. He's chomping at the bit to tell us what's going wrong from a scheme situation in the Bucks. We'll break down some of the key plays, the interceptions, what the hell's going on with Brady. And are he and Arians just not on the same page? And is it impossible to get them on the same page? We'll talk about it next. Stay with us. Let's rock. This is Unfiltered Pure Sports. Now, more with J.P. Peterson. All right, welcome back. Hey, um, as you may have heard from the spot there, uh, now is the time to get your Obamacare because the the deadline for open enrollment is December 15th, I believe. And we just had one of our callers, Chris in Clearwater, who you hear every day. He uh, finally called the number. And saved what one hundred and forty dollars a month on his premium. Got the same insurance, but at one hundred, got one hundred and forty dollars from the government subsidy. Not too bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, I saved like six hundred dollars. Wow. I, and I, yeah, six hundred dollars a month <laughs> by calling eight seven seven six five two zero two four four, and they they'll take you through the whole thing. Just let them do it. They'll ask you the questions. You know, instead of going to the website and trying to do it yourself, which you'll literally put a gun in your mouth if you try to do that. <laughs> Let them do it. Let them do it. They'll save you money. Um, and if they don't, then you're you're good to go. What have you lost? It only takes like 10, 15 minutes. So give them a call. Tell them JP sent you 877-652-0244. Health insurance is a, is a very expensive thing. And let me tell you this as well, folks. If your health if your health care is being provided by your employer, look how much they're taking out of your check. Okay? And then call the number. You may be able to say, okay, no thank you through that through your employer and do it through Obamacare, depending on how much you make, how big your family is, et cetera. There's a lot of different variables. And you could pay less than them taking it out of your check. So think about that, too. So make the call. They'll do all the work, and you can figure it out, 877-652-0244. All right, we're bringing our good friend Shane Stafford, our quarterback guru. What's up, partner? How are you? Man, I've been better. Are you are you are you down because the Bucks have just crapped the bed three of the last four weeks? Are you down? I I really am. It's I affecting really your am, mood, man. isn't it? Yeah, I, it, it is because it's things that are correctable. Right, right. That's what's so frustrating is you see. I mean, look, it hurts. Yeah, I mean, you look the Carolina Panthers. They they could have beat the Chiefs. The Raiders mm. took them to the to beat them once and took them to the 
you know, to the wire the next time. It's not like this team is unbeatable. And they just toyed with the Bucks yesterday. I mean, I know the score in the end was close, but it wasn't a close game, right? Real quick, let, let me let me just since you brought those two games up, let's look at how both those teams attacked the Kansas City Chiefs to give themselves a chance to win at the end of the game. Now, granted, yes, we did if we were to stop them on third down or whatever. But what they do, those two teams, talking about Carolina and talking about the Raiders, they're more of a dink and dunk, ball control, take the big play when it's their type of offense. Run the rock, little play action here and there. We'll come back to that as we speak. But moving forward, yes, it was hurtful. And, yes, this was a game that we should have won. All right, well, let's break it down. Um, offensively for Brady, I think four of the first five uh, or three of the first four drives, they had manageable third downs and and misfired every single time. Um, you know, we've talked about this since A.B. got here, and again, not on A.B. This is more on the organization and the coaching staff. They can't, they can't make third and three. They can't make third and two. I, I'm watching, you know, there was a, a hot route. Um, Mike Evans is wide freaking open. There's nobody within 15 yards of him coming off the line. And Brady's yeah. throwing it to, to Cameron Bray between two linebackers. Are you going wedding crashers on me? Hot yes. route, hot route. Just, hot go route, stand hot over. route. <laughs> Just go stand over there and I'll hike it. Is that what you're telling me? Right? Yes, it's that simple. Okay. I got you. You're exactly right, my man. And, and it, it is. And it's even more simple than that. Look, the first four drives, hell, we only had 39 yards out of 14 plays. And then we had three consecutive drives of three and out. Like, that's unheard of against the Chiefs. You do that, you're going to fall behind. And when you fall behind to them, guess what you allow them to do is potentially run the rock. Mm -hmm. But they knew that we were going to continue to bring pressure. I'm a – Dude, JP, I have so many things I want to tell you. Well, let's go. Let's get into it. Let's uh, let's talk about the offense. Stay focused. Yeah. Those, why are they? Why are they not making those convertible third downs? And why the well, hell are they not running the ball against two high safeties that are twenty yards off the ball? We need faster starts. We all know that, and we need to get rid of this whole no risk it, no biscuit bull ish stuff. Yes, and um, get rid of that stuff, man. That, 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 that's not what Tom Brady is good, and that was my biggest fear when he came here. Was He's not a guy that's mobile in the pocket. All right, we know that. Now talk talk, talk us specifically through the plays. Okay, so through the plays, here we are. We're we're now getting in. We tried to run the rock. We we tried to run it early, and we got five yards. We got six yards on our first run play. We got four yards on our next run play. And then we stopped running the ball, and we went to the no risk it, no biscuit. I can't tell you about the plays, J.P., because I'm not in, in the office. What I can tell you is this. We need to stop having these slow starts. We need to get on to faster starts because the more we get behind, the more that everybody in the, in the Tampa Bay Bucks coaching staff feels like on the offensive side that we need to throw the ball more. We have to run the ball. We have to stick to it. We cannot get behind the sticks because if we do and we get behind the score, that's just going to let – Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich call those plays. Now, it's not all on them. I'm telling you, like like I've always been telling you, JP, our offensive line is average at best. Average at best. I know you keep trying to say, oh, they're, they're, they're pro-ranked as uh, one of the top offensive lines. No, they're not. They're not good. 
they are not good, and it's not completely their fault. It's also, I'm wondering and questioning, what is Tom Brady doing, or what are their checks, and how are they sliding the line? They keep going 5-0, or their slide 5-0 is just a man-on-man, big-on-big type of pass protection. But the other thing they're doing is, why are they not sliding their line to the, where the blitz is coming? And now Tom Brady is, like, he's a guy at 44 years old, 43 years old, that has to take a hit while he's throwing a 40-yard pass. That's not his game. We need to get out of it, JP. If we don't get out of it, we're going to have a winning record, and we won't make any noise in the playoffs. All right, so in the first quarter, um, first possession, they run the ball for five. Uh, then they throw it mm-hmm. to Mike Evans, a short throw for 12 yards. Then they run it uh, to uh, to Rojo again for four. Yep. And, yep. Then, and then on second and six, shotgun formation, uh, mm-hmm. I think they were empty exactly, so there's not even a threat of the run. He throws a deep ball to Mike Evans, um, and it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. And I think that that I don't think that was the one that went through his hands, but it was it was incomplete. And they come back on third down and six, manageable. And Mike Evans runs like a hitch route, and uh, uh, and looked like Brady was was expecting him to complete to continue running down right. the sideline. I mean, I actually, how many yeah. times is that going to happen with Mike Evans? Okay, so here's the thing. I actually wrote some notes down on that play, that specific play, because Tony Romo, and I even sent you a text last yeah, night. Tony Romo, if it. people were listening to the, 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 the broadcast with Tony Romo, mm-hmm. he was saying everything that I truly believe in about where the Bucks are and what they're doing offensively. Mike Evans is not a great route runner. It's Mike not, Evans is a big – Correct. Even at Texas A&M, he bailed Johnny Manziel at a lot of go routes. And I was always like, why are the Bucks drafting him this high? He's a hell of a player, hell of a playmaker. He's great in a red zone. He's a great deep ball guy. He's a great intermediate guy. But when you talk about running crisp routes, he's not that guy. He turned his head around, and that's not Tom Brady. I'm telling you, as a quarterback that's played at the professional level, You look for indicators when a a, a receiver is going to sit his route down. And when his shoulders go down and his knees kind of go down and his head goes down, you're throwing it at the back of his head. Tom Brady thought he was going to go two to three more yards further, which he should have, uh, talking about Mike Evans. Now, when Tom Brady threw it, he was under pressure, so he threw it to a spot, and he anticipated Mike Evans getting to that spot. Mike Evans is not a key third down crisp route type of receiver route runner. He's not. And that's where Tom Brady is now learning. He can't trust him. Guess where he went to when he was in trouble. Guess who he went to. We all know he went to his big guy. He went to the guy down the middle. Gronk. It got him back in rhythm. And then guess who he went to before that or after that? Godwin. Godwin. Chris yeah. Godwin, and I've said this from the start of the season, without Chris Godwin, this offense is terrible. Yeah. With Chris Godwin, we have a chance to be very good. And with Godwin and Gronk, and I'm sorry, Mike Evans has to take that third seat. He's a red zone route runner, and he's a deep ball, straight ahead route runner. But he doesn't even locate the deep ball very well. You're right. He's more of a jump ball kind of a yeah. you've got to put it up for him type of receiver. I agree with you, JP. There are so many things that we're finding out, and I'm sick of all these pundits saying about how, oh, well, he did it last year with Jameis when Jameis was here. 
look, we didn't win. We weren't sitting in the situation we are where we are now. It's not where we want to be, and, and, and we shouldn't think that we should be feeling good about ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, from an offensive standpoint, we have an opportunity if, if we get the run game going, if we can get the protection to be where it needs to be pre-snap and post-snap, and if we start shortening up our passing game. If we don't do those things, my man, we're going to be in the playoffs and we'll be one and done. I'm looking at the the targets yesterday. Chris Godwin, nine targets, eight catches, 97 yards. That's a good day. Gronkowski, seven targets, six catches, 106. That's a good day. Cameron Brake, six targets, four receptions, 34 yards. That's good for a tight end. Mike Evans, nine targets, three catches. Three catches. Two of them for touchdowns, but three catches on nine targets. That's six incompletions. And yeah. if I'm thinking at least two of those were on third down, I think three of them were on third down. Yeah. Where they did and not convert. To, and that's supposed to be our money guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, AB got three and, targets, two catches, yeah. 11 yards. I mean, it, you know, with, with Scotty Miller was playing he averaged 15 yards per catch i don't even want to get into that man and and antonio brown is now averaging 8.7 in four games yep um you know i don't see the breakaway speed i don't see the separation that ab used to get i mean if we're if we're counting on the ab from four years ago he's Mm -hmm. gone he's long gone and i'm just gonna say this scotty miller is a better receiver than him at least he was earlier in this. He was way more productive in that mm-hmm. position than A.B. has been. Am I wrong? I, I, I won't say you're wrong, but what I will say is this, J.P., is I truly believe Scotty Miller has a better uh, rapport with Tom Brady than exactly. A.B. does at this point. So and why would he? Because Scotty Miller's correct. been working with Brady since since July. Correct. At the, at the rogue workouts at Berkeley. or at, Hell, it, actually, yeah. you go back to... April, they've been working yep. together. And then you you decide to bring in AB in the middle of the season, it's going to take a while. So you no had to, you basically reset your offense in the middle of the season, and you didn't need to do it. Yeah. I, 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 you're exactly right. 100%, we didn't need to do it. Here's my thing, though. These are, again, all things that are correctable. Like I said at the beginning of our conversation, these are all correctable. If I'm the coach, I'm going in there, I'm going to take the blame. But I don't know what's going on behind closed doors, JP, but I'm just telling you this. If that doesn't happen, if there is not accountability on all levels, then we will win. We'll win games. We'll end up with a winning record, and everybody will be right. like, oh, we made progress, and we did this and that and the third. But we're not going to be where everybody thought we would be, and no. there's no way we should crown us because of who we uh, have. No, of course not. And, and, and let, me, let me ask you this, and, and uh, yeah. Bruce – address this today um he was asked about motion romo was talking about this on the broadcast i thought it was really interesting in in uh new england there was a lot of pre-snap motion and brady used that to read the coverage to To identify coverage coverage. whereas Mm -hmm. arians wants him to identify the coverage post snap and yeah so my my question is and and arians was asked well what should he use more motion today and he's like well we don't do that or that's not what i don't like to do that i don't like to use a lot of jet okay now we're getting down to it this this to me is the crux of the whole situation arians Mm -hmm. doesn't want to use motion or hasn't Mm -hmm. used motion 
And this is the the absolute building block to the way Brady plays. He wants to diagnose what the defense is going to do before they do it. Now, I know Peyton Manning didn't like running motion, but that, that's irrelevant. Okay? Yeah. Brady does. Yeah. So tell, now, tell I, us how that works. And I'm actually going to touch on this on both sides, actually, because there are times as a quarterback I hate in motion. Certain situations in a third and three, third and four, I don't want motion because I don't want them to be able to kind of, from a defensive standpoint, to possibly – disguise it at third and three, third and four, where they can all get close to the line of scrimmage and then they can surprise me with a blitz. But certain situations, third and second and seven, where some teams may like to bring pressure, I want to dictate what's going on. Just like Kansas City did to us, they yeah. use motion. And, and it may be motion just to reset and see what happens. It doesn't have to be motion to where you snap it while the motion is still in motion. I know that sounds yeah. weird, but there are so many ways to use motion. Split your alignment out. Um, just shift. Don't even use motion. You use a shift, and then, therefore, you can dictate what the coverage is. What we did and versus what they did offensively, they dictated what we did defensively. defensively right. Whereas what we did offensively, they dictated what we did offensively because we didn't make them move at all. Right. We didn't let them know. We have no identity, JP, and yeah. that's the biggest problem. But when is we it... come in, when, hold on. When we come in as certain personnel, that means diddly crap to any team. And when we line up in a certain formation, they don't care because they know we're not going to shift, we're not going to motion, we're not going to do anything. But if that's what your star, your all pro, your legendary quarterback loves, you better learn how to do it. You better do it, right? And and how hard is it to, as a quarterback, use motion to pre-snap read your entire career and then now have to read the defense after the snap? Like, how how hard is that for Brady to learn? It's actually very easy for Brady to learn. It's actually freaking rudimentary for him but from a defensive standpoint, it's more about that. It makes it so much easier from a defensive standpoint to disguise coverage because you're not moving, yeah. you're not shifting, you're not doing anything. It's not so much about what Brady sees and reads. It's more so about how can we dictate coverage by our personnel, right. by our formations, by our motions, and that's where Brady is used to being. He's used to dictating right. and not re- reacting and right. responding. Okay. So He's th- used this, to being the teacher. Th- this seems like a simple fix. Is it a simple yeah. fix? Can you, or is is this Arians' offense so rigid that you learn that you? I mean, it's not like they don't have motions in their playbook, right? They have them. They Correct. just don't. They just don't use them or call them a lot, right? Very, very well said. Absolutely. So, You're right, so JP. would this be would this be an easy fix for Arians to add a lot more motion so Brady's more comfortable pre-snap reading? Oh my God! Yeah, all you yeah. do is add one verb. Uh, yeah. You know, you cross or Y cross or Y shift or Y, you know, or X or Z or whoever the motion is. It's yeah. very simple. Yeah. No doubt about it. It's like two more words to to your play call. So why are they not why have they not done this? Ego. That's the only thing I can say, my man. So I don't Arians know is gonna else. like Arians gonna do it his way. Stubborn. Bro, I'm not saying that. All I can tell you is this. There are certain ways. This reminds me of when I used to go, well, when I, as an offense coordinator, I used to love going against defenses that no matter what I did, 
I knew exactly what they were going to be in. They didn't change. It was the defenses that made me think, if I go in motion now, are they going to change it up? Well, guess what? Bruce Arians is making it easier. Not Bruce. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Tom. Maybe it's Bruce. Maybe it's Byron. Maybe it's all three. I'm just saying we're making it easy for the defense to um, know exactly what we're going to be in. And and the biggest thing for Tom Brady is keeping him upright, and we're yeah. not doing that. Well, and that, and, and that goes back to to going all pass and no run. I mean, Correct. to say Correct. to say we stuck with our game plan in the first half, and you had twenty one called passes and four <laughs> called runs. That's your game plan. 21 passes and four runs for a guy that's averaging seven yards a carry against the team that's playing two high safeties 20 yards off the ball? Right. Isn't that like three. an automatic call for to run the football? Absolutely. And to get three <laughs> uh, three and outs in your first four drives and your four your your other drive, you it was a five-play drive? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, man. Hey, that, another, another thing from a coaching standpoint um, – Right before the half, okay, the, and you you deferred, so you want to get that extra possession, right? But right before right. the half, that's a that's a big deal. So right. uh, Mahomes gets the ball with, um, let me see here, I'm going with the play by play. They get the ball with 4:29 left, and at the two minute warning, they're at the 46 yard line with uh, with three to- two or three timeouts. Uh, Kansas City had left. Okay, the Bucks never used any of their timeouts to save time to get that extra possession if and when Mahomes scored. And and when Bruce was asked about that today, he said, oh, you don't want to give Mahomes more time by using timeouts. And if you're already at the 50-yard line with two minutes left and two timeouts, which the Chiefs are, time is not of the essence here. It's just, You're going to run out of downs if you stop them. It's not going to be about time. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. why, not, why did the Bucs not use their timeouts to save like a minute left so that Brady can go down the field and get a field goal. By the way, difference in the game. And and it's a huge momentum for the second half when you're getting the ball. So if the Bucks score there, yeah. it's twenty to if they if they hold if they get some time, it's twenty to ten and they get the ball in the to start yeah. the third quarter. It's a totally different game. Yeah. And and here's where this is where I'm gonna go even take arena football yes. and implement yes. it implement it to the outdoor game. Hell, I'd rather have the, them score and then let us let them kick a field goal. Go ahead and let them drive down. Let them get to the 30-yard line, 20-yard line. And let them, let's go ahead and stop it, boom, kick yeah. a field goal. And then let's say we trade and we kick a field goal, right? Now we're even. Then we get the ball at the half. Right. You're exactly right, and the, and the And the Bucks drove it down and scored, so 100%. it would have been 20 It would have been twenty to 13, a one-score game. It, it would have been a 14-point and, and, and he defended that today after be, thinking about it. That's just, that, is, that is a give-up mentality right there. Oh, we don't want to give him any more time. We're scared. That's that's playing scared football. Scared money, no win money. Yeah, no risk and no bit. Huh? <laughs> Not in there. All right, brother. Good, good, good chat. That was fun. We'll do it again on Friday, partner. It was, man. I appreciate it. you. Take care, man. Shane Sapper, former AFL NFL quarterback, right there. All right. When we come back, we'll hear more of the Arians press conference. What I was just talking about in the four o'clock hour. Stay with us. The Big Eight. 20 WWBA. The Big Eight. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. It's only just begun. All right, we'll get back to the 
Bucks here in a little bit. There's a bunch of other stories that are hot and heavy that I wanted to get to. Um, first and foremost, COVID and sports um, really intersecting big time in the in the past few weeks. Florida State has already canceled their game next week against Duke, so they have no more games scheduled. Their disaster of a season may be over. And you can have your opinion on what happened uh, in the Clemson game, but Florida State is the only team in America that canceled games on the day of, as far as I know. I mean, there may have been some smaller schools, but as far as major major games, they're the only ones that have canceled day of game. And and I'm not going to start ripping on Mike Norvell, but just as a athletic department, as and they just had a four-star quarterback decommit. I mean, this program is in free fall. And the way the administration has handled this situation over the past few weeks is an embarrassment on so many levels. FSU needs to get their crap together. They need to go hire a real athletic director. And this is nothing against David Coburn. David Coburn came in and cleaned up the mess that Stan Wilcox left because John Thrasher hired Stan Wilcox and his resume wasn't up for the job. And then Wilcox hired uh, Willie, Willie Taggart, whose resume wasn't up for the job. Two horrible hires, and the way Jimbo Fisher was treated and the way Jimbo Fisher treated other people, it was all a disaster. There's so much blame to go around. But it continues. It continues. This administration, the FSU administration, the athletic administration is a disaster. And somebody needs to come in there with some leadership and clean it up. There's a guy who uh, lives not far from here, Tom Urich, who just who used to run the Louisville Athletic Department, did a hell of a job that might be available. Call him. Get somebody in there that knows how to run an athletic department. Then you, you know, trust me, they need help big time. Um, so, I mean, as, as a Florida State alum, I'm embarrassed at, at what's going on right now. And, um, and, you know, and I had someone who works with a lot of different athletic departments. He's in the uh, apparel and marketing business in college sports. So he, you know, he deals with the Clemsons, the USC's, the Notre Dame's all around. So he's very familiar with how, you know, different athletic departments and how they run. And he said, you know, dealing with FSU over the past four or five years has been a nightmare. It's like just from a financial standpoint, from an organization standpoint, he's like, nobody knows what, what the hell they're doing over there. Uh, and I think David Coburn has cleaned that up quite a bit in the last year and a half. Um, but clearly, they still have major, major issues. Major issues going on. And I don't know if it's going to be fixed anytime soon because this is just not a football thing. This is a organizational thing. And it's sad. It really is sad. Lack of leadership at the top of the university when it comes to dealing with sports and certainly within the athletic department. Really, really bad. Um, so San Francisco, Santa Clara County, I guess it's Santa, oh, Santa Clara, is it Santa Clara County? Whatever has, and California general has now said no sporting events because of the rise in COVID cases. So now the San Francisco 49ers have to find some place to play for a, for a couple of games. Folks, this is, this is ridiculous. What's going on? Do you know we haven't had one documented case of spread 
on a football field or a hockey rink or any sport that's been played. Not one documented case of COVID spreading from player to player. Okay? There has been almost no transference within the teams in terms of practicing or uh, practicing none, no transference on the field. But even in the meetings, all of these kids are being suspended, or not suspended, but are being quarantined for contact tracing. None of the college players or professional players, or very, very few, are having any serious symptoms whatsoever. What happened with the Broncos over this weekend, to me, was just a punitive thing by the NFL to tell, to tell the players you should be wearing your masks. I get it. The, the quarterbacks didn't, weren't wearing their masks in the meeting room. But none of those other three quarterbacks tested positive. None of them. None of these other players that are being quarantined because of close contact are testing positive. In fact, they're overwhelmingly testing negative. My point being, at what point do we use the data and the science that we're collecting over the time that these sports have been played to readjust the protocols? There's no reason an NFL game should have been played without a quarterback. For God's sakes, what is the NFL doing? You could have delayed that game, brought in another quarterback, or had those quarterbacks test three days in a row and be negative and play the game. That was all just punitive because the NFL didn't like the optics. And we're not going to let you use any of your quarterbacks. If none of these kids, if none of these kids in college or even in the pros are being infected by their fellow players that are picking up these viruses outside, they're picking them up at school, at home. But because of all a lot of the protocols that are being being instilled in in the uh, programs, they're not passing it on. There's no massive spread. So what are we doing? Adjust your protocols as the science comes in. There's no reason these games should be canceled. Like the Florida State game, for instance. That Okay, so Dabo Sweeney brought the kid on the trip. He showed some symptoms. Then he tested positive. But he was removed from the team, and everybody else on the team tested negative. And folks, if you're testing negative and you don't have symptoms, it's almost, Im- it's again, no cases, no documented cases of transference on the field. So where was the danger in playing that game? There was none. These players aren't going out and spreading it to the rest of society. It's not happening. They're not even spreading it to each other. So what are we doing? This is all optics on so many levels. So, you know, fans are spending hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to go to games that are getting canceled. Programs are losing $1.1 million for not playing certain games in a time when they're having to cut jobs. So people are losing their livelihoods. They can't feed their family, losing their jobs because somebody's not going to get sick. So much of this is fear-based and optics-based but not science-based. Why don't we use the science to adjust the protocols? If four guys are in a room and they're not wearing their masks and one test positive and the other three are negative because maybe they were social distancing even though they weren't wearing masks, right? Then why can't one of those quarterbacks play? 
are we re- so if the idea is to not spread the disease and to not get anybody else sick and we know these players are negative well they could test positive later on point is if they're negative now they can't spread the disease their viral load isn't big enough and we haven't had any transference on the field why can't they play and even if they if by some miracle they do transfer it these kids are still not getting sick I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous how far we've taken this and the money that we're spending. <laughs> and here's, here's a quote from, uh, that, I, that I read uh, earlier today from the former head of Pfizer, basically saying the PC, PCR protocols that have been, imp- that, that are bas- the basis for these PCR tests that everybody is using, he says, our conclusion is clear. In the face of all the tremendous PCR protocol design flaws and errors described within this research that they just did, there is not much of a choice left in the framework of scientific integrity and responsibility but to retract the PCR protocols. PCR used in the capacity that is currently being used is diagnostically useless. This is the head of Pfizer saying, a former head of Pfizer, that uh, Michael Yeadon, when 21 scientists have written an extensive review of the PCR testing protocol for SARS-CoV-2, their conclusion, this is it. It's diagnostically useless. So all these tests that we've been running and all these cases and everything everybody's talking about, the head of Pfizer, the former head of Pfizer and 21 scientists are saying it's diagnostically useless. All these public policies that have been made about covid diagnostically useless. Oh, and the excess deaths? Well, Johns Hopkins put out a report last week. They looked at all the age groups and the deaths, so-called from COVID, and their their conclusion was, year to year, November to November, that there were no excess deaths in any of the categories, statistically speaking. That will have a lower death rate this year than we had last year in the middle of a pandemic. And that the classifications of these COVID deaths are the issue, not necessarily the number of COVID deaths. This is from Johns Hopkins. They put out the research paper and then took it off their website because they said people were misconstruing the, the uh, conclusions of the, of the study. No, we're not. We're just seeing what actually happened. I mean, these are scientists, folks, and people want to say follow the science. Follow, do you trust the science and all these research that are now coming out? Or do you trust the politicians that are using old science and old fear to bring in new lockdowns and new restrictions? Because to show that they're, quote, doing something about the cases. I mean, it's, to me, folks, it's, it's, it's been such a cluster on so many levels, and the fact that we're continuing to cost millions upon millions and millions of dollars for diagnostically, what did he call it, uh, <laughs> flawed PCR testing and canceling games and doing all these things where, where you know, and, and, and remember before we started playing football, remember what the Big Ten doctors said? Could be a killing field, mass super spread everywhere. Yeah, you'll be super Remember spread that? events. Remember that? Yeah. Hasn't happened. No. 
Not one transference on the field. And these, quote, experts said it's going to be a, a disaster. Wait till you see what happens in the SEC and the ACC. Oh, really? Didn't happen. It goes, yeah, it just goes like, the, okay, so the Pac-12, you test positive. Now you got to shut yourself down for, what, three weeks? Three weeks. Three. And the Big Ten. <laughs> and not only that, you test positive, okay? You're not even showing any symptoms. Your PCR test is probably wrong anyway because you don't even have enough viral load to, pre- to pass it on to anybody. So here, here's what's going on in, in most every program, and this is what the players are telling me. My buddy tested positive, and I'm in the defensive backs room with him. I test negative, and I'm on quarantine for 14 days. I'm sitting in my dorm room, can't go anywhere, can't do anything. I'm not sick. I'm not. I'm completely negative, but I have to sit there for 14 days. And now the CDC is is now finally saying, "Oh, well, we can take the quarantine down to seven days if you continue to test negative." Oh, thanks. Something we already knew. Every coach knows. High school, college, pro. We know it now. We've been through it. The evidence is incontrovertible. But yet we stay with these old, archaic, draconian quarantine rules that are doing nothing but costing. Uh, Colleges and universities and athletic programs, millions of dollars in cancellations. Now NFL games. Now we're putting out farce NFL games like this one with the Broncos. It's a joke. How do, how do the, the 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 Bucks are playing the Chiefs and the Saints get a walkover against the Broncos? A travesty. In the name of what? Science? Optics? Come on, people. It's ridiculous. 727-518-0820 if you want to uh, disagree with that take. But as, here we go, and now the 49ers are going to have to f- find a home. And FSU season may be over. Now, they may they are going to try to reschedule the Clemson game, which would be played on December 12th. So now you're going to have an FSU team that won't, won't play, what, five weeks in a row? And then, a, <laughs> and then Clemson's going to come to town. I'll be played every week, a finely oiled machine, and spank that ass by 100. Yeah, that's something that was really good for these players. Is that a before or after they whooped the living hell out of uh, uh, Notre Dame in the ACC championship game? That would be Hopefully the week before. before. Hopefully just before. It'll be the week before. So, But, I mean, Clemson, why do they even want to play the game now? You know, except to just exact a lot of revenge. I think Dabo would love to play the game at this point. And if you're an FSU fan, you sure as hell don't want to see it. That. <laughs> I guarantee you they'll hang a hang hundred. They will. And, and it's all, you know, this is COVID, what I call COVID logic, which is an oxymoron. And, and I mean, why, why can you not adjust the protocols once you understand what this virus is and what it means to these players? It's just common sense. But there's none of that left in this world. At all. Common sense isn't too common there, GP. No, it's not. All right, we'll take a quick break. Um, we're going to get back to the uh, Bruce Arians because there's some very interesting things that he said this week. But when we come back, I got to talk about this incredible moment that happened this weekend in college football. The first female to ever play in a Power 5 game. Oh, what a moment it was. Except it was completely contrived. We'll talk about it next. The Big 8. 820 WWBA. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports.
Uh, this this story just keeps getting better. Sarah Fuller named co-SEC Special Teams Player of the Week. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. For one kickoff? Not only that. Der- Derek Mason thought it would be a great idea for her to do the halftime speech. <laughs> Mic drop. I'm going to get into this in a little bit, but uh, 727-518-0820 is the number. Our good friend Dev Daddy is up next. What's up, Dev? How you doing, buddy? I'm uh, I'm here. Did you go to the game yesterday, Bucks game? Yeah. Sat up in 304 and uh, knew exactly what plays were coming. It was terrific. <laughs> you didn't need to be Tony Romo to know what plays were coming, right? Honestly, I had the there were chief fans next to me, and I was calling out like literally what was going to happen. And they're like, "You you need to be a coach." I was like, "No, no, no. This is just watching Buccaneer football. Yeah, this is this is what it is." And mm-hmm. it's I I don't at this point I don't have any words. I mean, I'm we're probably going to end up eleven and five or ten and six, not because we're playing four god awful teams that we should. Hey, watch out for beat. the Falcons, brother. Four and two should be five and one under Ra. I don't know. I mean, we should beat them. There's no reason why we shouldn't beat them. We Maybe we well drop one to them. them. Yeah. If but, we don't, if we don't, if we I mean, don't sweep the Falcons, is, this this coaching staff needs to be all gone, all of them. Dude, Bruce Arians is Arians is fourteen and fourteen as the head coach, and I've heard excuses all last year that it was Jameis. Cool. I can see that. Now you you got your guy. You got Tom. And now I hear a wide variety of excuses. When, when am I going to hear Bruce Arian sit there and say, hey, I'm 14 and 14. I'm doing an average job. Where's, where's that speech at? I haven't seen a lot of that. I haven't seen a lot of that. And that's, that's one of the things I said last week. I don't mind him being honest and criticizing Tom Brady. I don't mind that at all. I think, that, I think that's good. He's answering the questions about specific plays, and he's saying he didn't read it right, or he, you know this, this was wrong, that was wrong. I get that. Um, but – you should also be saying, you know, I'm not meshing well with what Tom does. The same thing that everybody else is saying across the national pundits, the local pundits, the same thing that everybody sees. Take a little, you know, take a little uh, responsibility for that. If you're Bruce I don't, he, he should. And I think Shane Stafford put it best. He said it's ego. And I 100% see it's ego. But I can't remember a Tom Brady team. I know he obviously doesn't play for the Patriots anymore, but, dude, their game plans every single week, it doesn't even look like they did the same exact thing. They completely switched up game plans per team. Yeah. Yep. And you don't see that here. Mm-mm. And I, I don't understand Mm-mm. why. We've, we've went 12 weeks. We're 7-5. Haven't beat a good team besides the Packers. Um. I mean, what Raiders. is there to really be the too happy about? Yeah. Look, the thing about this team is uh, they still have tremendous talent. They don't have the injuries that the Falcons have had, that the 49ers have had, and yet the 49ers go out there and beat the Rams. We couldn't beat the Rams. You know, what, what the hell? I mean, are you kidding me? Um, they not only really beat it, the Rams, they made Jared Goff look like yeah. an average quarterback, which yeah. he is. Which he made with, him look like. With a bunch of second and third teamers on their defense. Like that defense has been completely gutted, and they're and they're you know, somebody else sent me this yesterday. He said, "Do you know that the Bucks with Tom Brady scored as many points against the Saints 
as the Broncos did without a quarterback? Three. Yep. I was like, oh. And and to think and to think we had to, you know, kick a field goal at the end of the game. <laughs> When it we was four a point, we should have been shut out. <laughs> we could have been shut out. I mean, think about that for a second. I mean, that's and if you're outscored forty nine to seven in the first quarter, dude, that's bad game planning. That's bad with the talent that this team has, and you're getting outscored forty. You should be outscoring teams forty nine to seven in the first first quarter, not being outscored forty nine to seven with the talent on this right. team, right? Absolutely. How the and hell? You hold the Chiefs to twenty-seven points. Yeah. You better win that game. This is not on the defense whatsoever. They held well, the Chiefs. Yeah, they got torched. They did get torched in the first half, and it was seventeen points. But made the adjustments. They only scored ten. Come on, you're not gonna. You, you're gonna have to. It's a dogfight against the Chiefs, and mm-hmm. they're gonna put up put up at least four scores a game, and you got to be able to match that and score five times. And, and, and the Bucks, we're not doing it. And the Bucks had all the opportunities to do that, you know. And it, it starts with not running the football. Um, too many downfield throws still for me, even though they were what four of eight yesterday on the downfield throws. Um, you know, a couple of them came in key third down plays that had no chance of being completed, and it, and it cost you a possession. You know, one of the deep balls was intercepted, and and it should never have been thrown to Scotty Miller. He wasn't open. Um, it, it was a bad throw under pressure, and I and I've seen Tom Brady panic under pressure the last four weeks, like I never thought I would see. Hell, he caught one of his own passes and threw it at the with the wrong end of the football. Who the who the hell does that? If Jameis did that, we'd still be laughing. All right, you know, and so it it is so clear that what what are we eleven twelve games in, and this and Tom Brady isn't nearly as comfortable as I thought he was in week five. It, it's, it doesn't seem to click. No. Something something has, in the last four weeks, has completely derailed this team, and it just hope, happens to coincide with the arrival of Antonio Brown. And again, I'm not blaming Antonio, but something something's up. Something's up. And, you know, there's there's reports out there that Arians and Brady are not getting along. And they're not on the same page. Clearly, they're not on the same page. We we can all see that. And you know, and and yesterday we're going to play this as well in the five o'clock hour. Brady had, gets one tough question from Jenna Lane, and he walks out of the press conference like a bitch ass. I mean, come on, dude. Uh, you're you're Tom freaking Brady. Have a little bit of you know a little bit of character. Stand up and take a little bit of heat for the first time in your career. I'm I'm just, you know, I expected a lot more from Tom Brady. I really did. I expected a hell of a lot more from Tom Brady than what we're seeing on on many levels. Many, many levels. And then what's going to happen next year? Like, where do we go from here? (laughs) We're going to have to, we're going to have Tom Brady as our quarterback next year. I mean, you know, sit around and talk about the same thing. Colin Coward's out there saying that Bruce Arians is, is, is gone after this year. Um, which I don't think is a stretch. And then Todd Bowles takes over, and Byron Leftwich is still the offensive coordinator. Oh, my God. I mean, is, does that get you excited? Or does, you know, um, there's talk of um, uh, bringing in Josh um, 
what the hell's his last name? The, the Patriots McDaniel. coordinator. McDaniel. McDaniel. Yeah. Uh, McDaniels. Yeah, who was a disaster as a head coach in Denver. And I mean a disaster. Doesn't mean he can't, he didn't learn from that. But um, he was only there a year, I think. Yeah, but that's all it took. I mean, the guy was a freaking, you know, and these, these, these Belichick guys, they come in and they try to act like Belichick. You can't do that. You don't have the gravitas to do it. It doesn't work that way. Just ask Matt Patricia. Yeah. I mean, they, they, we've seen it not, how many times? The only one that's, that's you know, been halfway good is uh, Flores in, in Miami. He's kind of done it, done it his own Brable. way. Yeah. Brable's been yeah, Brable's, good, yeah, Brable's been really good. But, um, so, I look, man, I, what were the fans saying at the game? Because there was a lot of booing going on. Um, a lot of, I mean, I was screaming out, you know, seven and five, here we come, walking up the stairs. Um, everybody was kind of looking at me crazy. Um, but at the end, you know, it's the same, it's the same old mood, man. It's another disappointment. Yeah. Here you, you have a great opportunity to put a couple bad weeks behind you and, and beat a team that is, Nine and one now, ten and one, and another drop opportunity. So, I mean, my my hopes for any postseason run are completely shot. I mean, Wu will be ten and six and lose first round in the playoffs. I mean, I guess that's an improvement. But well, listen, I mean, I, this team should do a lot more. I think that there's still time to fix this. If the coaching staff, if Brian, if Bruce Arians can, you know, drop his ego and 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 not do it his way. I mean, Brady has proven that his way freaking works. You know, I, I'm shocked that at this point of the season, we're still talking about too many downfield throws and no running game. I mean, come on. Let freaking Brady run his offense. Let him do what he does. And Brady, you know, Brady needs to be better. But if he's not comfortable in what he's doing, most of that is going to be scheme related. Because we know Brady's pretty damn good when he's comfortable in what he's doing. So why you would not bend over backwards to give him the motions that he wants pre-snap so he can pre-read the defense and do what he's done his entire career? Why would you not do that? All right. I do want to end on one positive note. Um, I have not been a Rojo truther, but I can't believe I'd be saying this in week 12, but I believe he should be getting more touches. Hell yeah. And congratulations, we didn't have any running backs dropped the ball yesterday. Nope. They caught both flat routes. Yeah. So, and, I, and, I, um, and you'll hear this in a little bit when we play the air. I asked Arians about Rojo today, and you know he basically said when we're in two minutes, he's not going to be in there. Well, you know what? He needs to be. He needs to be. He just Fournette is giving us nothing. He hasn't made anybody miss or run over anybody since he got here. And, there, and here we Rojo's freaking hurtling guys, blowing people away to the corner, and then hurtling another guy and getting into the end zone. That dude needs to get 25 touches a game. He got 10 yesterday. I don't care what your freaking game plan is. That dude needs to get at least 25 touches a game. Am I wrong? No. He's explosive. I, he, he is. He hasn't been that. And it's taken no, a he hasn't, while but he is now. To get past that, but he is that now. Yeah, if you're, if you're a coaching staff and that guy, you see him in practice and you you see him in the games. I mean, how are you not? He's the he was well, he's a, a last week. He was the third leading rusher in the league with being an afterthought in this offense. I mean, <laughs> what more do you need to see? For God's sakes! Right. Yeah, I've never seen a team this this poorly coached. To be quite honest, in the last it's four the weeks, life, baby. Yeah, I know. 
I know. All right, partner. Thanks for the call. All right. Cheer up, for God's sake. It's only football, bro. It is, but I just want to see us win yeah, in too. my lifetime. <laughs> all right. Hasn't Thanks, Deb. What's up? Thank see you. See you later. Uh, all right. I want to I want to get into this Sarah Fuller thing. So I'm going to take a break and then come back and uh, and jump into it. So if you're a girl dad out there and you're celebrating this, I'm going to challenge you not to. I'm a girl dad. I'm not celebrating this. She was used as a pawn. And the dude still got fired, which is the <laughs> which is the only justice in the whole damn thing. It took him long enough to fire Derek Mason. Jeez, was he like two and a hundred? No, I'm just playing. Not good. Not good. All right, we'll get into this. Um, as uh, my friend Jason Whitlock calls it, make-a-wish culture. I call it everybody gets a trophy culture. Back in a moment. Where's a beat up Tilly and a Marshall stack? Okay, hit it! Big H. 820 WWBA. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back. We're going to get into uh, there's some interesting things going on at FSU regarding them canceling their their last game against Duke, the last scheduled game. Um, our friend Patrick Burnham from the Osceolas uh, just tweeted out, been communicating with college coaches in regards to FSU canceling two games on the day of, and first three responses were impossible situation, can't judge. ACC schools don't trust each other, only travel if game is guaranteed to be played. TBH, I don't think they want to play. <laughs> I saw that post. I don't think they do either. I don't think Mike Narvell wanted to play against Clemson. What is what is getting your ass handed to you 80 to 7 if you score 7? What does that do for your program? Nothing. It, it makes it look worse. So if you have an opportunity to use COVID to get out of it, that's exactly what they did, in my they opinion. They ran with it. What's that? And they took it and ran with and, it. And, and then and then used COVID and the medical team excuse to try and make Clemson look bad. That's disgraceful. I'm so disappointed in my university right now. I can't even tell you. It's like this, this Virginia game, somebody offered me five tickets, six tickets, and a parking pass for the Virginia game, which was supposed to be 8 o'clock on a Saturday night in late November on a cool fall evening. I mean, I would normally kill – to do that zero interest and i actually said on thursday i said you know i said i'm not taking them you know why because they'll freaking cancel the game while i'm driving up there and guess what they did what a joke what what a so much of this has just become a joke all right 727-518-0820 so this past weekend sarah fuller became the poster child for, as uh, Jason Whitlock calls it, the Make-A-Wish culture war. And she was hailed as this Jackie Robinson-esque breaking the gender barrier, the first woman to play in a Power 5 football game as she kicked off for Vanderbilt in the second half, squib kicked it 30 yards. And as the announcer gleefully projected, a perfectly executed squib kick with no return. Ask yourself, was there anybody on the Vanderbilt roster 
that could have done that? Yes. Yes. Every single player on the roster. Probably could have done that. Every single player on the roster. You know, I think it was about five years ago that Florida, your Gators, remember this? They lost both their scholarship kickers. So did they did they run to the women's soccer team and say, Hey, do you have someone who can kick off? No. No. You know what they did? They did an all campus tryout. Yeah. And they found like three or four guys that could kick. And my guess is there's probably five to ten guys on the Vanderbilt team that kicked in high school that could have easily handled the job. But Derek Mason decided, their their head coach, to go get a already incredibly accomplished female athlete in Sarah Fuller, who was a goalie on their national championship women's soccer team, to come play. And to a goalie? Well, they do the free kicks, so you know they're good at kicking a, play, a placed ball. I get that, but but here's the thing, and and um, I'm going to take a, a moment here to to read what Jason Whitlock wrote because this is one of the most courageous columns that you'll find out there. Even though he was absolutely ripped unmercifully by the um, by the the culture war freaks, you know, and all these people that are out there. Like, oh, hashtag girl's dad. And Sarah Fuller even saying, you know, I hope I'm opening doors for other to for girls to believe that they can do anything. Look, I'm a girl dad. I, I want all these barriers to be broken down, but not like this. Not in a contrived way where you're used as a pawn. So here's what Whitlock writes. The people who hate football and the people who spend the whole summer trying to cancel college football over COVID concerns came together to celebrate the game on Saturday. Sarah Fuller briefly made football socially acceptable for America's most ardent virtue signalers. There was her primary accomplishment, pleasing the make-a-wish America. At the beginning of the second half of Vanderbilt's SEC football game against Missouri, Fuller trotted onto the field for the opening kickoff. She knocked the ball to the Missouri 37-yard line and immediately jogged to the sideline out of harm's way. The moment was hailed as history. ESPN Sports Center Twitter account claimed Fuller's kick changed the game. Others said she made history. She's the first woman to play in a Power 5 football game. By the way, it was the lead story on ESPN Sports Center. You know what was the second story? The kid from Buffalo who scored eight touchdowns and ran for 409 yards. Yep. That was the second story. Jarrett Patterson, by the way. Jarrett Patterson, yes. And I don't even know his name, but I know Sarah Fuller's name. That's that's sick. Uh, Whitlock continues. I don't believe she played football. She scored a point in the culture war. The people who believe the only difference between men and women is in how they choose to identify consider Fuller a poor woman's Jackie Robinson. She broke big-time football's gender barrier. But did she? Jackie Robinson was Major League Baseball's Rookie of the Year in 1947. He finished fifth in the MVP voting. In order to break the color barrier, Robinson had to play at a Hall of Fame level on day one, and he had to do it while facing a grotesque level of harassment. I think it's a very, very important point right there that he makes. It says that Jackie Robinson was brought forth because of his abilities and on merit. Sarah Fuller was not. She didn't, and and this is nothing against Sarah Fuller, by the way. She's a wonderfully accomplished athlete who was in, in her in her maybe excitement to be 
chosen as somebody who's, whose name will be remembered. But I think in years she'll look back on this and say, it was probably, I was probably used as a pawn. I think she will. He continues, Sarah Fuller received a standing ovation for kicking the ball 30 yards or so and hightailing it to the sidelines to be greeted by the winless head coach using her to save his job, which, of course, didn't save his job. This wasn't Jackie Robinson 2.0. It was Make-A-Wish. I don't blame Sarah Fuller. She's an accomplished high-level D1 athlete. She's a soccer goalie for Vanderbilt's women's soccer team. She's been baited into believing competing against men is her North Star. Maybe it is. It shouldn't be. Whitlock continues, Vanderbilt doesn't have a men's soccer team. Positive COVID tests created the need for Vanderbilt to find a kicker this week. Credit coach Derek Mason for dampening a finger and recognizing the biggest wish among uh, football haters is that women play with and coach men. In the NFL, Tampa Bay coach Bruce Arians felt the same wind blowing and is one of the league's most popular coaches because he named a couple of women to his staff. Two years ago, Toyota paid broadcaster Jim Nance to voice a commercial that created the legend that a young girl, Tony Harris, earned a football scholarship. Harris was on a high school team in Detroit, but only took the field a couple of times during her, quote, career. She didn't earn a football scholarship. The Culture Warriors gave Harris one as part of their Make-A-Wish program. They put her in a national TV commercial, too. There's a lot of money being spent to create the illusion that women can and should be playing football against men the people spending the money hate football it epitomizes toxic masculinity except when women are on the field football should also be shuttered because of the head trauma dangers unless women are playing oh and during the covid pandemic it's responsible for these it's irresponsible i'm sorry for these power five schools to exploit these college athletes right unless there's a woman playing then we celebrate it My critics will argue I'm threatened by women playing football. No, not at all. If they're good at it, who cares? My gripe is that it diminishes these female athletes. Sarah Fuller is an elite soccer player. She's a terrible football player, arguably the worst to ever take the field in the SEC. The announcers during the game said Mason wasn't comfortable using her to kick field goals unless they were inside the 15-yard line. There were pictures of her warming up and pregame kicking 14-yard field goals, which, by the way, don't exist. It's embarrassing. Her athleticism does not need to be validated by competing against men in any capacity, let alone in a sport that is not her specialty. Treating Sarah Fuller like she's a special needs kid does not uplift the cause of equality. Could not agree more. The overwhelming majority of people know this. The American media has been hijacked by activists and social media apps designed to amplify the voices of the illogical. So true. Saturday morning via Twitter, I asked a couple of harmless questions. One, does Vanderbilt have a men's soccer team? Two, did Vanderbilt choose the best candidate for the most publicity? My mentions were overrun with negativity. You would have thought I'd spoken poorly of a religious figure. You would have thought most of America disagreed with my skepticism. When I published a poll asking what the driving force behind Vanderbilt's decision to use Fuller as a kicker, 15,000 people responded within an hour. 42% of the respondents said Vanderbilt was virtue signaling. Another 39% said it was a publicity stunt. Most people agree with me. The purpose of this twi- of Twitter is to program the mainstream media into promoting lunacy. Mission accomplished. Sarah Fuller is Jackie Robinson. Great article by Jason Whitlock. And I'll just add this. Again, I'm a girl's dad. I want, I want these barriers broken down like anybody. But it has to be on merit. 
or else it has no meaning. And I've said this for a long time. I do think a female kicker could be a good kicker, and Sarah Fuller might be one. At 6'2", 200 pounds, she's the, the Vanderbilt kicker, I believe, is like 5'8", 160. But the bottom line is, if she started when she was five years old kicking footballs and worked her way up and was a legitimate kicker and then made a team and became the first Power 5 football player, we all should celebrate it because it's done on merit, not as a publicity stunt. And I asked some of the people that were championing this, one was a Florida Gators fan. I'm saying, you know what? Hey, this is a great thing. Why don't you replace your Florida Gators kicker with Sarah Fuller for a real meaning SEC title game? Boy, that would be a great opportunity for her. Why don't you do that? Are you sexist? Are you misogynist? Why would you not do that? You know what the answer was? Oh, you don't get it, JP. That's not what this is about. Exactly. It's not about merit. It's about a publicity stunt. And think about this. If what I just described, if a young lady now does this, works her ass off, becomes a really good kicker, and comes up through the ranks and gets a scholarship or even gets on a, makes an SEC team and actually makes it on her merit, you know what they're going to say to her? Oh, you're second. Sarah Fuller was the first. And what an injustice that would be. Am I wrong? The next girl that earns it on merit will be an afterthought. And Sarah Fuller will always be the first. That is an injustice by far. All right, let's go over to the phones. Uh, Frankie G is up next. What's up, buddy? How are you? JP, I couldn't agree with you more. What a publicity stunt. Uh, worse than when the Lightning played whatever her name was for whatever. Manol because, Rayom? Yeah, there you go. You know what, though? Here's the difference, Frank. She was she was, she, a, she, she was not a she was she was not an NHL level goalie. I get that, I under, but she could that. play, and she, she could play. She could play, and she played that all. She played. Sarah Fuller never kicked before. No, no I I only used her uh, only because she was a hockey player, but now she's an afterthought. And uh, you're the only guy that I know that could remember that name. Well, I interviewed her, uh, and she was hot. Oh, I know she was hot. I'd like to see her. <laughs> she Beautiful blue eyes. Oh, she was. Yeah. Did she dress in the boys' room? No, anyway, absolutely not. <laughs> men need some place to play where it's men. To admit two ladies, one being uh, Condoleezza Rice, uh, into uh, Augusta, what, what was that for? Another appeasement to... Uh, but, see, I, I think... See, uh, Frank, I'll disagree with you there. I think I think that that was a great way to do that because it but, wasn't under the it wasn't remember when I forget what the other girl was that uh, she's a banker protested protested against the, at Augusta that there were no oh, women yeah, members yeah, that yeah right 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 yeah. and then you know yeah. and but the Masters finally did it on their own and then you know here comes Fred Ridley creating a a a, a amateur tournament for the ladies. I and think I, that's great. Yeah, it's been fantastic, and it's well. And I have no problem with Condoleezza being. In fact, I think it's about time that they have a a, a female member at at, well, at the Masters well, at Augusta. Well, then why aren't I allowed to uh, join, uh, say, the uh, LPGA or? Well, I, know, the I have real problems with that. 
Well, yeah, or yeah. the Ladies uh, Garden Society. Well, and they're, letting, allowed... and they're letting high school athletes all over the country in, in, very, in these liberal states who want to identify as female, these boys who can't hack it on the boys' team oh, and can't make it, now go play golf because they identify as a woman and, you know, and, and be suddenly competitive or as a track person. And all those girls that have you know, come up through the, through the ranks – they they get they get suddenly their second third fourth place because these these boys who are losers on the men's track team couldn't make right. it come over here and and, and the, we're saying that's okay that's no. a travesty there was there was a giant uh, up in Connecticut uh, Massachusetts someplace up there yeah where they were playing uh, field hockey a traditional uh, girls mm-hmm. sport yeah and a guy joins the team because. Uh, the, he didn't make the uh, his team uh, and submitted to wearing uh, the skirt and the uniform. Now wait a minute, come you know come we're on. exactly. It's ridiculous. One of these days, common sense has got to rule. Yeah. You know, if if it didn't, the the one mistake the NFL made was when uh, Maurice Claret wanted to play football early than his class. Yeah, they should they, they should have let him go. Hey, Frank, I got I, I got it. Thanks for your contribution. I appreciate it, brother. I'll see you soon. I want to get Gino in here before the break. Uh, Gino, what's up, partner? Hey, hey, buddy. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for calling in. Miss you. Yeah, no problem. You know, I, I watched that happen. I, I, I guess it I came on Twitter or whatever. I was at the horse track. And uh, I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And then, you know, man, the more I got to thinking about it, and I, I mean, it was a squib kick, uh, any – Kid, there's nobody on that team that was not capable exactly. of making that kick. Exactly. And I thought to myself, if the former coach at Vandy was at Fort Ford at that point and needed had a shot at a bowl game, is that girl's name even relevant? No. Nope. Exactly. Nope. And not, not even doing it. Everything. Yeah. Man, that just queers the entire deal. You know. And, and, it, I, it was, and I do think I do think that Derek Mason thought it might save his job. That's you know, exactly what it's I thought. And like, if they they can't fire me now, or the play, you know, the the virtue signalers will go bananas if they fire the me now. The people will the, go yeah. crazy. He you thought know? it was like it was it was guaranteeing him some job security. At least Vanderbilt was smart enough not to fall for that one. Hey, buddy, my brain surgeon's from Vandy, but not any of my athletes. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, um, good choice. I, I tell you, you know the. The, the thing that really was not lost, I mean, probably the thing that kind of lit the, the idea in my head is, uh, I don't even know if you were in town back then, but uh, John McKay pulled George Yarno, an offensive guard, off the line oh, yeah. to kick a PAT one right, time. Right, right. You know, there's hey, other listen, guys. Gino, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm up yeah. against a heartbreak. Not a problem, buddy. You, wait, if you wait three minutes, I'll get you on on the other. The Big 8. 820 WWBA. The Big 8. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fan stream sports. All right, welcome back to the 5 o'clock hour. Bruce Gradkowski, Pro Football Focus, will join us at 5.15. He grades every pass in the NFL for PFF, so we'll get his his take on the, um, the Brady-Arians rocky marriage. It's on the rocks. Nationally, we're hearing that, that Arians and um, Brady are not getting along. We'll hear from Arians in the 5.30 segment on today's. uh, He was asked about that in today's medium. 
Zoom call. All right, 727-518-0820. The Steelers and Ravens have now been postponed till Wednesday night. There's a report out there today that the Ravens were supposed to have practice on Monday morning. However, only moments before the team was ready to start, the league informed them that they were not allowed to practice. The Ravens players are pissed off. They have threatened to not play tomorrow night in a wildcat strike. And this is all because of these ridiculous COVID protocols that these players are having to endure that make zero logical sense and go against all the science and all the evidence that we've been seeing through this entire football season, basketball season, hockey season. We've learned nothing. Well, we've learned plenty, but we're not putting it to use and adjusting our protocols to make them more common sense. And it's hurting these players. These players are having to sit out for nothing and then condense games and not be able to practice and go onto a field without a quarterback. It's not safe. That you're bringing you're once again we're making the cure way worse than the disease. And if we just use a little bit of common sense and not do everything for optics, we could get we could have a great football season. There would be no cancellations. None of these kids are getting sick. None of these play, football players are getting sick. We're just costing ourselves millions and millions of dollars rescheduling these games and putting the players in danger because they're not practicing. We, we don't mind them going out there smashing heads and not being prepared in practice and getting all these soft tissue injuries. As long as we, we, we can't have any optics, can't have people walking around without masks out there while they're playing football. Ridiculous. It's insane. And folks, it's not to say that this virus is not serious and there are lots of cases out there and people have died. We get all that. But football is not the problem. We're, these are not super spreading events that have been that were predicted by all the quote experts. Hasn't happened. It's not happening. The, these players are being kept quarantined when they're completely healthy, which is not good for them to be quarantined. They need to be out among their their friends and their family, social distancing, wearing a mask, if need be. But these these protocols are completely counterproductive. And they need to be adjusted immediately for the safety of the players and the sanity. All right, Jim in Tampa is up next. What's up, Jim? Oh, hey, JP. Hey, you know, uh, everybody, you know, now the big thing is Brady and uh, uh, Arians are on the rocks. You know, look, yesterday's game, if the, the one game that's going to bite this team in the behind is a Chicago game. If that game, if they should have won that game, that game could cost us severely. But they should be eight and four right now, and the reality is, yesterday the defense was horrible. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, uh, Mahomes did whatever he wanted to do on the uh, a couple of series into the game when they were fourth and goal and they took a field goal. They should have. They could have gone for that. They would have easily made yeah. it. Could have been a lot worse. Yep. So, and then another time uh, there was a strip sack that they were getting ready to score. There was not one, I mean, other maybe a couple of drives. There was a couple where they had a th- couple three and outs, but the defense never, ever had a chance to uh, stop Kansas City. So Brady Mahomes basically was, has to be per- listen perfect. Listen to this. Mahomes that? was 37 of 49, 462 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a rating of 124.7. Right. So you do know, whatever you wanted to do. 
and, and he and that last four minutes they they weren't going to stop him. He no. he was like you said he was toying with them. So I don't care that they only scored twenty seven. They sat on the ball the last four minutes. They could have scored more. So this defense hasn't performed. And you look at it; they've beaten the teams that they should beat. The one game that we all got thought that they were a Super Bowl team was against Green Bay. And what happened to Green Bay that day? It was a perfect storm. Our yeah. defense just was lit lights out. And, and all of a sudden, they started reading the press clippings. Look, we, we will not beat the Falcons twice. We've got to fight to go 10-6 and six this year because of that Chicago game. And that's what they should do. And if they win, and I think that they can play good on the road and win a playoff game, then next year, everybody says, even Romo, who they're trying to say now is the new, you know, I think Brady probably called Romo and told him. Oh, they, they had a long conversation. And no everything question. that Bra- was, everything that Romo said during the broadcast was stuff that Brady wanted out in the public domain. Don't think yeah, otherwise. Which is kind of silly. Otherwise. Which that's silly. Come it is, on, it is your, silly. It is, it's not only is it coach. silly, but it's cowardice. And, and for him to take three questions at, in the Zoom meeting last night and get one tough question and then tap out. What a wuss. So, I'm so, so disappointed the in Tom Brady. The lost. Brady has also played poorly. So let's call it like it is. Look, I, I, you know what? Uh, he played poorly against the Rams. He played poorly against uh, yesterday. But he started warming up a little bit. And I said, wow, if the defense can stop them, the Bucks have a chance. Because Brady was in the zone from the second quarter on. He yeah. played well. Yeah. And you know what? It's the defense, and they're they're just not as good as advertised. And we've got to fight and scratch to win ten games this year to make it to be secure in the playoffs. And then next year, which Brady will play next year, supposedly Arians' offense, you do better in year two. So I just want yeah. to get your thoughts. Thanks. Jimmy. No, no, definitely. But you know, I don't think it's a matter of of him learning the Arians' offense. I think it's Arians needs to learn the Brady offense. And that's not the, that's not to say that they have to switch everything around in terms of terminology and all that stuff. No, it, it, as we talked with Shane Stafford earlier, former NFL AFL quarterback, it, it, these are subtle subtle tweaks that you know to use more motion. And I think this is really what it gets down to. And Romo was talking about this yesterday. Um, you know, Brady is used to reading defenses pre-snap using motions and shifts. In other words, you send Gronk in motion, you see the guy that goes with him, and that tells you what the coverage is, and he knows where he's going pre-snap. You know, now obviously defenses can switch it up. I'm being very simplistic here, um, but in the Arians' offense, they don't run a lot of that. They they do a lot of you know they're they're you're, all the reads are post-snap. So you drop back, you look at the defense. Where's the safety going? You know, where's this guy going? Where are they rotating? Now the the problem is you got to have a really good offensive line to make that work. You got to get three and a half four seconds to be able to make that work, and our offensive line doesn't do that. So it, it just seems like it's flawed. And when Brady is is like in the second half, you know they, their last possession or last real possession of the second quarter was a touchdown. That was the Rojo touchdown. Nice little drive, some short passes, run the football a little bit, and and hit him down the sideline touchdown. They come out. At the, uh, they get the, you know, first of all, then they get the ball back with 14 seconds left and three timeouts they just took to the locker room. You know, that was another huge coaching blunder, in my opinion. You And we asked Arians about that today, and he, he, he doubled down on it. Oh, you don't want to give Mahomes more time. There's a two minute warning. Kansas City, I believe, had a couple of timeouts left, and they were already at the 50 yard line. 
Now, if they're back at the 10, uh, then you don't take the timeouts. But when they're already at the 50, you're not going to stop. The, they're not going to run out of time. They're going to run out of downs. So you need to stop the clock on defense to leave Brady time to get that extra possession. That's why you defer in the first place. This is coaching 101. And the and and, Bra- and Arians was like, no, no, I'm not giving them more time. They're already at the 50. There's two minutes left. This is not going to be a time thing. You know, it could work out that way, but chances are it's not, especially the way Mahomes is 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 doing it. You're going to have to make a play on third down, get him off the damn field. And then you have a minute left for Brady to come back, and all he has to do is move, and he's in his last, the last possession, he was getting hot. So then, you know, it's 20-7 to seven at this point after Kansas City kicks a field goal. If you have a minute left, you can drive back down the field and at least get a field goal. Now it's 20-10, to 10 and you get the ball out of the half. What do they do out of the half? They come down, have a nice drive, and get, get to the eight where they give the ball to Fournette two times instead of Rojo, and they kick a field goal. So it would have been 2013 at that point if you don't score a touchdown before the half and you're one score away. It's a totally different feeling in the ballgame. So, you know, that's that's a coaching blunder, in my opinion. And it's it's you gotta say this is the new NFL. You're playing the Chiefs. You need every freaking possession you can get. And not using those timeouts. I mean, yes, conceivably it could have gone that way with a couple of penalties or, or no, if there's no incompletions. Yeah, but you, what in my opinion, as an aggressive coach, a risk, you know, a no risk it, no biscuit coach, you call your timeouts to give your guy a chance to to go back at at the Chiefs defense, who's been on the field a little bit in the second quarter. So you know, again, I, I don't, I don't think this coaching staff is coaching at an elite level. Not commensurate to the talent that they have on this team. And and that's not to mention the fact that they're not using things that Brady likes to do. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Bruce Gradkowski will join us from Pro Football Focus, former Bucks quarterback. Always a great and entertaining conversation with Bruce. We'll get his take on how the Arians-Brady marriage is being consummated, if you know what I'm saying. Back in a moment. Make some noise. The Big Eight. 820 WWBA. So people tell me, what time is it? Time to get back to the show. This has only just begun. More with JP on Fan Stream Sports. All right, welcome back. Let's uh, chat with our good friend Bruce Gradkowski, former Buccaneers quarterback, now analyst for Pro Football Focus, and also um, with the Steelers broadcast team. That's right, Bruce, right? You, you working with the Steelers, right? I, I do some uh, stuff for them every week as far as, like, for their uh, radio or online uh, stuff. I don't I don't quite call their games yet, but who knows? Soon. Who knows, brother? Soon. The way you're going <laughs> with the performances you put out every week on this show, you should have that job. Are you kidding me? Uh, like, do you have any idea when they're going to play the Ravens, by the way? I mean, any clue? Man, <laughs> I know. Seriously. Um, who knows, man? That's You know, that stuff's crazy. You know, it's it's tough because that's the world we live in now, so it's, it's going to go on and around, and it's, but if you're not following protocols, man, it's it makes it even that much harder, you know, for the Ravens strength coach, and yeah. it, it's it's just tough, you know. But I think the NFL has done a good job so far this year because it really is tough to navigate. 
Uh, and I just hope for the rest of the season, as we get into this colder weather, at least where we're at, not where you're at, yeah. um, <laughs> that, you know, with the flu season and all that, that we, we could continue a pretty good season. I mean, it wasn't pretty to see what happened with the Broncos situation either yeah. either this week. You know, Bruce, and I, I went on a rant today about this, um, and I don't, I don't know where you stand on this, but basically I'll, I'll summarize it. The, the NFL and college football, they need to update their protocols. Take what they've learned in, you know, from the NBA, from the NHL. We have not had one transference of COVID, one documented case of transference on the field. Not one. And, right. and I'm not sure we've had any documented cases of, of transference within the meeting rooms. I mean, all these guys, like with the Broncos, those guys, the other three guys aren't sick. They, they're testing negative. But they're but they had they had to be quarantined because of contact tracing. When we know that people aren't they're not passing the disease on, especially in the in the locker rooms, they're getting they're bringing it from outside, for the most part. Right. I mean, staffers yeah. are, are, are passing. So, I mean, if we if we know all this, why are we having healthy quarterbacks sitting on their ass in Denver while this travesty is going on on the field? I mean, it's, I it, makes, it makes no sense. Right. It's, it's and it's I'll say this. It puts the players in danger because they're running plays they don't know and haven't practiced, and it puts the quarter the quote so called quarterback in danger. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's throwing balls up to gra- for grabs to receivers who could get killed because the quarterback's not leading him in the you know leading him into contact. I mean th- well, that, that's, that's real yeah. danger that we're talking about as opposed to this you know what might happen if it, and even if they get the COVID they're not they're not seriously in danger. So we're. It, to me, the protocols are now causing players. The Ravens can't practice today. They had, the, and, and now we want them to go out and play a game, and they haven't practiced in six days. That's unsafe. Right. That's way more right. unsafe than the, than the than possibly getting COVID. Am I wrong? No, I mean, well, you have a point there because, like the Broncos situation, you're absolutely right. I mean, it just shows how hard it is to play the quarterback position, <laughs> yeah. and not. Not just a quarterback position, but to play in the NFL. The speed of the game is a different level. And then you see it from a different perspective that you have to get the snap. You have to read a coverage. You have to know how you're protecting and how the line's blocking. You have to know if you're going to get blitzed. You have to know your read and progression. And then you have to make all those decisions in a split second and and be accurate with the football. So, you know, it's tough because – it is, you know, it's kind of unsafe in that situation. Um, I just think too, the NFL is trying to keep the season going uh, because if if they did kind of maybe with the Broncos in the Ravens situation, now all of a sudden you have a week eighteen, and now who knows what comes about this, this week, yeah. right? And yeah. so then you're definitely not going to get all sixteen weeks, seventeen weeks of the season in. Well, so it's just tough. I mean. Yeah. It's, there's no really right or wrong way. It's just how do you kind of do it the best you can and be light on your feet to, to continue this season? I think, honestly, what I think they should do, Bruce, is they should get the, the coaches on a conference call with their medical teams. Uh, do it. Just take one you know, three-hour block or whatever. Get everybody on a conference call and say, hey, let's take what we've learned and adjust our protocols. To make it safe for the players to continue to play these games and not make it, you know, because we know that it's not spreading within the teams in that way. So I, right. I, I think that I think because the NFL is not bound by CDC or anything, they came up with their own protocols, 
And given what they know now about the disease and how, how it works within the teams, adjust them. Adjust them so we don't right, have these right. issues. You know, it's 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 a pretty simple thing. But you know what? That'll be quote bad optics because then people will be like, oh yeah, they just want the players to play. They don't care about the spread. No, no, that's not the case well, at all. We're just being yeah. smart about it and using the data that we know. So yeah, well, on a lighter note, I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at snow right now. Probably when you have like 75 or 80 degree weather oh, where you're at. Oh yeah, it was a nice nice 75 today. Hey, it's going I- down to 50 tomorrow here. With, so. with all the big money you make, I'm waiting for you to fly me out for one of these interviews. <laughs> I, you know what? We can do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I, absolutely we can do that. Uh, would, would, would I have to quarantine, though? Like flying No, not, this is Florida, you... baby. We got a great governor here. There's no quarantine going on here, Brian. <laughs> we, we, we use the science and the data to adjust our protocols and be, be able to have a life here. So I'll send you my information. I have a wife and three kids. We prefer a suite with a pool. <laughs> I'll be adjusting your protocols. Trust me on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about Brady and uh, and Arians and this mismanaged marriage that's going on right now. Did you hear what Romo was saying on the broadcast yesterday? I know you can't watch um, all the games, so. What, 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 yeah, what part though? Because so basically, and, and here's and this, and you can really speak to this because, you know, scored, the starting quarterbacks they talk to the analysts, right? And what right. Brady told Romo, he clearly wanted out into the public domain, and Romo was talking about, hey, Brady wants pre-snap motion, which is something that Arians doesn't like to do. Because he, right. he can read, he reads the defense with the pre-snap motions and the shifts before the snap. That's what he's been used to. And now Arians is asking him to read the defense post-snap. And to me, that seems like a pretty big difference in what he's been doing. And if I were the coach, I would do what Brady wants. And it doesn't appear right. that's what's going on. What, what do you say about that? Well, you know, and I, I want to point you in our direction at PFF. So yeah. Mike Renner... Uh, wrote this really good article today talking about the comparisons of Carson Palmer and Tom Brady and just Bruce Aaron's offense from 2015 till now and how in 2015, how much motions and shifts he was using. And they, they were like top of the league then. Well, now everyone has kind of caught up to that, right? So now the shifts and the motions that Bruce Aaron's is using, they're ranked like 15th of, of all the shifts and motions where – you know, they probably could use more. And for a quarterback, it does. It helps us know what cover what the coverage is. You know, you figure in New England, they're sending James White in motion or they're lining him up, they're lining him out in empty formation and bringing him back to the backfield to see does a linebacker line up with him out there or is it a corner? So now I know if it's man or zone, I see him come back in or vice versa. You start him in the backfield, you motion him out. Who goes with them? Does the linebacker go with them? Do they bump coverage? Does the corner stay outside with them? Now you know it's zone. Uh, so there's multiple things you could do to help the quarterback quarterback get some clues. And so I feel like they could do be they could be doing a better job at that. But I also look at this like this was a a key stat as well. Just even from last night, you know, on first down. Um, the Tampa Bay Bucks offense, like I know they have the most attempts in the league, but they're still very equal on first down between runs and passes. Mm-hmm. And this league is changing in a sense of you can't just run the ball on first down um, and expect to make some hay. I mean, you, you see what the Rams do and the Niners and the short, quick passing game yeah. and the screens. And 
you know, and, and even KC, you, you witnessed it last night. So just in last night's game, uh, this was through the first three quarters. Tampa Bay, uh, 11 passes in 10 runs on first down. Uh, seven passes were successful. Three runs were successful. So that's 11 passes they ran, 10 runs. So pretty equal. Here's, here's, here's Kansas City's. It is 23 passes in six runs on first down. Mm-hmm. And 12 were successful passes. One run was successful. So I just think like it helps a quarterback out, too. When I see young quarterbacks playing in the game, and you know, coaches will run the ball on first and second down, and then expect them to do some on third down. Like yeah. it helps a quarterback out, though, if you're throwing on first down, if you're throwing on second down, and you're mixing up the run and pass because yes. now that's going to open your running game up even more. So I think there's some things like that they could do better. I think this bye week will be um, a good time for them to kind of regroup, study themselves, see what they could get better at. You know, because look, I, I think. The spotlight's on them. They have a lot of talent. So, of course, any loss, you know, everyone, they got a bullseye on their back. Yeah. So, and they have a Hall of Fame quarterback. They have three receivers that have had seasons of 1,300 plus yards. Like, so uh, they have a lot of weapons, and, and we just expect more from them. Well, what did you see specifically in a game yesterday from Brady as far as how you graded him out? Um, you know, the two interceptions were extremely costly, obviously, in a one possession game. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I just think, you know, I've seen it this year at times and even last year where when there's pressure around him, uh, he kind of panics in a sense or, you know, jerks his motion. And you always want to speed up your feet, but you never want to rush your delivery, right? That's got to be consistent. I see when Brady's missing throws, he's rushing his delivery or doing something at at the end point. And, you know, the one he's trying to make a play down the right sideline, he throws, or that was like actually Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes just slinging it all over the yard. But, uh, you know, Brady last night for us, I don't know. I mean, I just think. Um, the one pick was he, down to, down the left side, a deep ball to Scotty Miller, um, where he wasn't open. He had right. no separation, and Brady was under pressure. He threw it up. It's picked. And he just, right. The other one was, um, I think Brady was double covered on a third down, and, and uh, he threw it off the, the helmet or something. It bounced up, and it's a tip ball interception. Was, so that was the one that kind of, you know, I, I saw what he was trying to do, and he was tr- trying to hit his receiver quick with yeah, the pressure. Route, yeah, yeah. But hot route, hot route, red seven, red seven. <laughs> <laughs> but he he just, like, jerked his motion and threw right into, like, the lineman or D-lineman's head. or so, I, I could, you know, on film it happened so fast. I couldn't even really tell who it hit, but it was so low of a yeah, throw yeah. that, uh, you know, you kind of got to dock him on that a little bit just from, you know, the, that standpoint. So, I don't know. I, I also do think, though, that Brady physically still looks good. Yeah. It's just, it's tough, man. You're in a new offense. It's different. There's different adjustments on routes. And it's continuing to try to get on the same page. It's, it's not easy. It's like learning a new language. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not going to happen overnight. So and there's going to be little miscommunications that look like a big deal, especially in one possession games, especially when you're facing Patrick Mahomes and you're seeing what he's doing and trying to keep up with that. So, look, I mean, they got to you know focus on the positive. They're still in this thing. They have good players. You know, they totally can make a run at this. There's no doubt about it. Uh, they just can't let that negative vibe get in the locker room or amongst yeah. one another. That's what I'm scared of. Is I just feel like Arians, you know, there's reports out there that Arians and, and Brady aren't getting along. And, you know, <clears throat> Bruce, this all started 
four weeks ago. I mean, when when Scotty Miller was was kind of Brady's go to guy, and you know he'd been right. working with Scotty since April. You know they they definitely had chemistry on the field. I mean they he had, yep. they had really good chemistry, and you know in comes Antonio Brown. And I'm not saying it's his fault, but this offense has not been the same since he arrived. They're struggling on third down. That really, yeah. really slow starts. They're getting behind 17 nothing, 24 nothing. You know, their first four or five series, they're going three and out three or four times. And that's all happened since A B got here. And again, it's not his fault, but right. it's it's something has changed. Well, and it's and it's in the I mean, it's not A B's fault, but no. you're right. I mean, that Tampa Bay offense was on fire because everyone was thinking, oh, my gosh, and now they get A.B. coming in the lineup? Wow, this is insane. But you're right, man. Honestly, like playing the position, it's not always about all the talent. It's about building trust with one another and counting on a guy, knowing he's going to be at the right spot at the right time. You know, the thing sometimes that's hard for with A.B. is his routes. Like, for me, I wasn't as gifted as a thrower as, like, Ben Rosselsberg, where Ben could just – adjust on the fly. If A.B. did something different, Ben was the best at in in his mid-motion being able to adjust to A.B. and still be accurate with it. I mean, I just always remember this out-and-up A.B. ran, and, and it was supposed to be an out, and A.B. ran an out-and-up, and Ben kind of just grabbed, like almost let the football go, recocked it, and threw a dime down the field. And I'm like, and it looked so natural like it was supposed to be that. Ben's like, yeah, he was supposed to stay on the out right there. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, how did you throw that so accurate when that all happened in like a split second? So I just think some of those things, like when I see yeah. AB running, you know, downfield, it's just, it's tough, man, to it's get continuity. on the same page with one another. Yeah. And you absolutely. saw that with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I mean, oh, it's, it's insane. He's dropping and dimes. And sometimes they get in trouble because. They're spoiled the way Mahomes plays, yeah. and sometimes they don't stay detailed on their initial route, and they think Mahomes is just going to react to what they do. But that's you know that's the give and take, right? You want to be specific and detailed on your on your routes, but um, and also with with the ability of Mahomes to carry through him just making plays, um, it's it's just unbelievable to watch. I mean, he's, he's a cheat code out there. He so is. Both those guys it's are insane. It's insane. Yeah, that 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 was watching those guys play together. I mean, and I look, I didn't think it was a great idea for Todd Bowles to say, "Hey, you know, Carlton Davis the third, you're going to go one on one with no safety help." I mean, right. Tyreek, no, exactly. I mean, come on, <laughs> what, what, well, how does that happen? Right. Well, and it's it's tough because you try to figure out how do we play the Chiefs. You know, yeah. I mean, if you play zone, they got so many dink and dunks and screens and zone, yeah. like zone beaters. That okay, is our chance better off? Matching up man to man, we could probably match up pretty well. But it's Tyree kills the the, mm-hmm. the X factor, you know. So that was the point. Like the safety has to play some of those better, and if yeah. he does, and he's kind of over that way and cheating a little bit, because you you just can't do his speed and his quickness is just at another level. Yeah, yeah, you learn real quick. Um, all right, partner, I'm taking up too much of your time. Um, any anybody else uh, really? Uh, Certainly I not mean, the Denver quarterback yesterday. I don't think you had him yeah. at the top of your no. rankings. You know, but, like, I mean, Mayfield, man. Mayfield was our good. passing grade this week, and those Browns are rolling. I mean, that's going to be fun matchup this week. You got the Titans and the Browns. You got the Rams and the Cardinals, because with those two losses with the Rams and Cards, that was crazy. Kyler Murray um, has regressed the last couple of weeks. You know, yeah. he can't run, I mean, and his, his shoulders hurt. 
And I did that like a separated AC joint. I mean, that's pain. That's a pain, man. I I injected it though to get through games because I wasn't. <laughs> I had to play to get an opportunity, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it's hard to be accurate when you're numbed up oh, like that, right? Sure. Yeah, because you, yeah, because you're numb, yeah. and now you might not get as much on it as as you're used to and stuff like that. So it's tough. Yeah. All right, partner. Um, we'll get you taken care of. Just uh, send me those birth dates, and I'll buy yeah, those tickets for, for you. sure. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks, my man. Have a good See one, you. Bruce Gradkowski, right there. Um, always great chatting with him. Give you some really good insight into what what you know goes through the mind of a quarterback. Uh, we got Dave and Brandon wants to talk about the great Sarah Fuller. He might still be there. What's we'll up, Dave? You. JP, I'm half jokingly writing a book called Machoism and Allism. So just hear me out. Kind of when I used to study psychology, JP, remember the 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 terminology male bonding, how important it is in men's life, and that's what we do. We male bond, and I'm adamant about this. Even with female women, you know, sitting around the table talking NFL, my wife agrees with me. I want us men to have. I think we're. I, I love women. Everything about women. I respect women, but getting back to male bonding, uh, JP, it's uh, not. My wife says there's going to be a female kicker in the NFL, and I'm adamant. I go, let us men have our sports. And I really feel that way, JP. <laughs> I listen. This this gender confusion that's going on. I mean, I, we really got to take a hard look at this when it comes to athletics. I mean, I'm all for opening up uh, new barriers, but to me, athletics is a merit-based system. It's a merit-based system. You earn your spot. That girl, I mean, and all due respect to her, she's a wonderful lady and a great accomplished athlete as a national champion soccer player. She didn't earn that spot. She didn't. And, and that was my point earlier on when I was talking about this is like there's going to be a girl that comes up that starts kicking at the age of seven, works her ass off, and becomes a legitimate kicker gets a scholarship, and maybe even plays for an SEC team, and we're going to say, yeah, sorry, you're the second. Sarah Fuller was the first. And that, was, and that would be wrong. That would be an injustice to that girl who worked her ass off her entire life on merit that gets to, to, to play in this game. This girl did not do anything on merit, and that's not what athletics is about. Well, my angle was JP, you know, one of my many Davisms, right is right and wrong is wrong, is, okay, I want to use college and professional football. It's men's football, okay? No, it's nothing against women. I mean, it's that simple to me, JP. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's, it's men's, men's track and women's track. And if you can't cut it as a male and then decide to identify as a female and go over and start winning medals as a female track star... Yeah, that, 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 oh, that's yeah. A, that's an injustice to all the girls that have trained as track stars coming up through the ranks, and suddenly here comes this this competitor who used to compete with the boys and has all the markings of a male and the chromosomes of a male, and now is over here suddenly winning medals in in women's track. That's just wrong. It's wrong on so many levels. No, let me get back to male bonding again, kind of on the same level. You're, JP. you're into that male bonding today. I don't know about Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book called Macho, Macho and All It's Machoism, so come on, JP, you know? Okay, all right. But no, 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 um, it's just the idea that a woman is going to be in the men's sports. I mean, again, I go back to right is right, wrong is wrong. Come on, it's, it's men's football. And then we can talk political crap, whatever you want. And by the way, but we it, have flag football for 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 women that's become wildly successful in high schools, and will soon. I think it, there already is college 
flag football, and that's fantastic, and that's okay. Well, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's nothing wrong with the way I'm speaking. I'd love to be no. on a big round table, me, you, and a bunch of other people. But like you were talking about Jason Whitlock. I've, I've talked about a guy that doesn't follow politically correct, oh, probably no. one of my favorite television guys. But, yeah, uh, great writer. You know, but, yeah, great writer. And I love how he takes on racial issues. He just says that, you know, he's a great, great, great man. But, no, gosh, JP, it's just it's, uh, me getting back to the machoism thing. Us guys, we want our sports. We want a male bond. It's just like, let's say, a guy, uh, guys are playing cards one night, and it's been a tradition, and all of a sudden, here comes a girl, or vice versa. You know, the women like their time. The men like our time. And it's, it, it's men's football. I'll let you go, JP. All right. Thanks, man. appreciate it. No, I, look, the – Upside to having women play football, um, and again, I don't have a problem with the gender issue here. Mm. It's the same as with baseball. If a if a female can can win a job based on merit, then I have no problem with her playing. But it has to be based on merit, not based on you know. Break doing something as a stunt to break the gender barrier, because then then it becomes meaningless to say, "Oh, she's she's the first football player because you dressed her in a uniform and she kicked off, made a squib kick." Doesn't make her a football player. That doesn't make her. As Whitlock wrote so brilliantly, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier on merit, not because he was black. I mean, you just couldn't take any any black guy and go, all right, let's break the color barrier here. Uh, yo, go out there and play baseball. No. They they carefully, Branch Rickey carefully chose a man with great intestinal fortitude, number one, and a great demeanor because he knew what the, the abuse that he was going to take and he needed somebody who was emotionally intelligent enough not to strike back in an emotional way. Because he knew what was coming and also was good enough to be recognized as a hell of a baseball player. Those are the ingredients for a historic move. Sarah Fuller had none of those. None. Which makes it a publicity stunt. And and to some degree, I think Derek Mason thought that would save his job. Because how could they possibly fire a coach who just, you know, is a trendsetter and a trailblazer? In gender equality, well, thankfully Vanderbilt didn't fall for that. Well, the proof's in the pudding, dude. You you won what like four games in the last three years? Yeah. Come on, dude. You're you're horrible. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. You couldn't have signed a field full of kickers to save your your job. Exactly. But he tried. He tried, and that. Yeah. And I I I hadn't and I read that he had her give a halftime speech to the team. That was down. What? What were they down? They lost forty-one to nothing. They've lost. Every, I mean, come on. I mean, can you imagine being a player in that locker room? Come on. Let's just. Let's just. I probably feel better signaling. now that he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. If you're a player in that locker room, just don't hire Will Muschamp. You already seen how that works out. All right. So we <laughs> we got to take a quick break, and uh, we'll get to this Arians interview. I know we we've, we've been teasing this, but I'm sorry we're taking. I like to give my callers. You know, when they call in to give them breadth and, and uh, an opportunity because that was the show was all about. We want different differing opinions. We want conversation. So 727-518-0820. Back in a minute. You built a wall. Okay, hit it. The big eight. 820 WWBA. Fan Street Sports. 
Tap the app. Oh, yeah. Fan stream sports. Download it today. Now back to more with JP. Uh, it is the talk of uh, the NFL, other than the Steelers-Ravens game getting postponed again to Wednesday, and I doubt they're even going to play on Wednesday. Could be a wildcat strike by the Ravens because they don't want to play without practicing. I don't blame them. Why should they? That's not. That's unsafe. Talk about COVID. That is really unsafe. Uh, all right, let's get to the Arians. I want to play Tom Brady too. His Tom Brady's walk off after the after a tough question from Jenna Lane. I guess he just couldn't handle it. Um, but let's listen to uh, the rest of Arians. You got that queued up? We played a little bit early on. Um, I think this next question is a little bit more about the the uh, the Brady situation. So let's gotcha. roll it. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, we'll go to Jenna Lane. Hey, Coach, along the lines of the cover zero, I, I had you uh, one for five on those. And uh, for the most part, they were deep pass attempts. And I, I understand the thinking behind that. You know, you don't have any deep defender there. You, you go for a kill shot, right? Um, but I know also, like, in the fourth quarter, you guys hit Cam Brate for, uh, like, five yards in the flat. So uh, on, those, on those plays where you guys are going up against cover zero, um, how many options are there truly underneath when you have those or, or is it really just, you have to make that shot deep? No, there's a bunch of options and uh, you know, you, you can also check the protection uh, to get it picked up and then take the deep shot. Uh, So yeah, we just got to do a better job of um, game planning that we knew, we knew it was coming. That's there are cover zero Spags has always been a cover zero guy. We just didn't handle it well enough in certain situations. That's for sure. Whoa. How do you know it's coming and you still because, don't? Uh, well, you know, and, and they practice against it all week, but you still have to execute in yeah. the game. Yeah. And and that's the thing that's not translating to the, when these slow starts is they're, you know, I'm guessing they're expecting certain things, but they're just not executing against them. You know, and that's, you know, that's that's coaching, that's play. You know, the, the players have to be better. They They have to be able to recognize it and execute against it. And Brady's been able to do that his entire career, but in this new offense, it's tougher. And I think it's because of the way he's asked to read the read the plays. All right, next question. And and I know Rick asked about the the play action. I know we haven't seen a ton of it uh, the last two weeks. Um, but but what about what is your what are your philosophies on the use of motion? I know you do a lot of it like pre snap, but what about at the snap? Is that something that you would consider doing going forward? We we've, we've done it in the past, and um, we did it for years. I never see. A lot of uh, a lot of quarterbacks. You know, Peyton Manning never wanted anybody in motion. Uh, so each quarterback's so different. What they want the motion for. Um, we have used jet motion a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of it. So uh, if it's if it's going to disrupt what you're doing, versus just blocking people. Thank you, Coach. Mm-hmm. And, and just pause it for just one second. This is what Romo was talking about on the broadcast. And I, why I mentioned this, it's so important because Brady talked to Romo. And it, clearly Brady wanted a lot of this out in the public domain. Because otherwise you would tell Romo, hey, I'm telling you this in confidence. I don't really want you to talk about it on broadcast. This is what happens in these production meetings. I've been in them. And, you know, players will say certain things and coaches will say certain things. Like, you can use this on a broadcast, but we really don't want this. And there's a trust factor. So Romo, I mean, clearly Brady wanted this out in the public domain, that he likes the motion because that's what Romo was talking about during the game. And so that tells me there is definitely a rift right there, in my opinion. All right, next question. And the fact that they're not 
running the motion as much. All right, all right, as we're going to go to Kaufman. Bruce, the run defense has been uh, fabulous all, all season, consistent 12 games. Uh, but the pass defense, Bruce, in this little tailspin, it's not playing up to the standards, uh, you know, of the first half of the season. What's going on there? Do you need a better pass rush or better coverage? I think it's that combination. Uh, we got to cover tighter, and we got to get home faster. Uh, we can't let a guy in man coverage have 3.7, 3.8 seconds to throw a ball. It's got to come out yeah. in three or less, and, and we can cover for 10 or 12 yards, but we're going to give them that much time. Again, Patrick's, you know, Patrick is an unbelievable guy, and he just keeps backpedaling. He was backpedaling to his left for about, yeah. I don't know, nine and a half yards and, just, and throws a dime. So we don't see him every week. Um, but, yeah, I think tighter coverage. I guess the Rams, it was tighter coverage. Um, but when we're playing, man, we got to get home. All right. Uh, let's, let's, Thanks, Bruce. Let's go to the uh, the Brady interview from last night because I want I want to get to this before the show's over, um, and, and he's absolutely right. Mahomes is a special cat; he can keep backing up and, and get away from the pressure. We saw it on third and seventeen in the Super Bowl. Nobody nobody can make that throw except this dude, and he did it multiple times. Uh, all the more reason is you know you you gotta you gotta be able to play a safety over the top of Tariq Hill, make the tackle. He's going to complete the pass. All right, let's listen in to Brady last night. Um, it's I know quick. You fell short, but it's two uh, minutes. Falling down 17 to nothing, can you talk about the ability to come back and make this a tough game? Yeah, we've, we, you know, we battled back. We unfortunately, you know, left ourselves a big deficit to start, got off to a slow start, couldn't convert any third downs. Um, just poor execution early and get behind and, and uh, you know, players got to do a better job. We got to make the plays that are there. And certainly when you play a good offense, Offense, offensively, we got to do our job and stay on the field, keep them off the field. I'll go to Greg Allman. Hey, Tom, we had talked a lot about the deep ball and what wasn't working the last couple games. Well, what do you think changed? Why did things click as well as it did, especially uh, the, the early one to Gronk and then the touchdown to Mike? Uh, not sure. Just execution. better execution, you know. <laughs> I think we can we can hit every throw. So better execution. we miss it, we miss it, but. You know, we're going to keep taking them. Starting to get an edge. How dare you ask? Hey, Tom, obviously, um, when this second half started, things seemed to be much more in rhythm for you guys, and and things started to click. You said you mentioned the slow start. For you, what does that difference feel like between when you guys are out of rhythm and then why things start to click the way they did? Yeah, I think, you know, football is so much about that being in rhythm and, and staying in rhythm and finding your rhythm and... I think as we keep going forward, you know, we're learning more and more about ourselves, about what we need to do, and um, going to get back to work and try to do a lot better job the last quarter of the season. First drive of the third Our quarter. Our Lane. The only time they ran it two times in a row. Hey, Tom, as you they guys head to your bye eight. week, um, there's been some folks that have there's been some folks that have had some chatter about, you know, you just don't look like you're running someone else's offense. One of your former teammates even said on TV that he thinks that you need a new head coach. What do you make of all that noise? No, it's just the external noise that when you're losing, you know, that's what you deal with. So, uh, you know, I love p- playing for, for the guys that I play with, the coaches, the whole organization's been unbelievable. And I think what, uh, you know, we just got to go out and I certainly have to do a better job the last four weeks of the year. So appreciate it. Just have a good week. That's it. 
17 guys on the – well, actually, there's 40 people on the Zoom call. About 20 of us have our hands raised. Everybody wants to ask questions. That's, what, four questions he took? Two minutes? He gets one tough question, and he's out. Wow. Wow. That's Tom Brady. That's how he handles it. Last year he had, you know, his show on the radio, and when things went south in the season, he quit. That's your that's your quarterback. That's what he's doing. Can't take you can't if you can't handle questions from the media because they're starting to get a little tough. How are you gonna handle this situation? Maybe you know. It's just starting to reveal a lot about Tom Brady. You know, it, it, he was protected up there in New England by that organization. Um, I don't know if protected is the right word. He fit in there perfectly. He liked the fact that, you know, Belichick criticized, criticized him, but never publicly. Never publicly. But Arians is honest. It's a different deal. Now there's reports out there that these guys aren't getting along. And, and personally, this whole idea that you have to be friends is kind of silly. You do need to communicate, and you do need to trust each other and respect each other. That's important. That's very, very important. Friends, no. But it's clear that these guys, for the last four weeks, are not on the same page. To me, it's more about changing in midstream. And and, and again, I keep going back to this. B.A. never wanted A.B. Never wanted him. And I don't know if Tom... Went to Jason Light or went to ownership or, or went around him and said, no, we, we need to have him. I have no idea what happened. All I know is that B.A. never wanted him, and now he's here. And in the last four weeks, this offense has looked completely disjointed. Again, not A.B.'s fault. This is on the organization. They need to figure it out in this off week because there's too much talent here, and there's still a lot of season left, four games left, get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Anything can happen. All right, thanks to uh, Bruce Gradkowski who joined us. We had a lot of great segments today. We'll send it out on uh, Twitter. If you missed anything, go to fanstreamsports.com. You can get the whole show on podcast anytime. One love, everybody. Have a great night.